Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Crouch. We're here for episode 201. We've crested over the 200 mark now. Obviously, if you uh, watched last week, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We put a lot of effort into it. A big shout out once again to all the guests that came on board for the very, very special episode number 200. But now as we head into fresh territory, it's a brand new century of episodes on our way to 300. Guys, only 99 episodes away from episode 300. Oh man, I, I can't wait. It's, uh, I think we were, <laughs> I think I remember early on, you just saying that somebody was going to have a child by the time we hit 100. So maybe that prophecy will come true with 300. I, mean, I don't know. We'll to, be, to be fair, that's just down to me, like not going through the natural progression of an adult at the age of 34. So I wasn't wrong logically. I was uh -huh. just emotionally not ready, you know. Just take, you, you know, just. John had a it. child. John had a child with his new, with his new, you know, uh, things that he's working Company? on. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah. I guess that if works, you're, that, does that work? Yeah. Yeah. As the only, as the only, like, actually mature person who's got his life together. That's why the three of us are still here, and why John's moved on, by the way, because uh, he got his life together. <laughs> You guys are like, oh, who who else is who else is kind of just like wafting through life like we are? Oh, let's just get everyone, everyone. He's yeah, he he looks like he'll fit. You know the the next best best thing. You know like how like the genetic information breaks down. So my sister has half of it. So my sister's pregnant. I just like outsourced that for having a child <laughs> thing to my sister. So uh, now I'm I'm basically like half a parent, if that makes sense, right? Outsourced. I'm sure she's gonna love to hear that. I mean, I'm I'm opting to be the cool uncle that lets the child play video games. Well, you know. I I just think you know I just think humanity's kind of fucked. So you know maybe it's best if we all just if the entire world didn't have kids again. Is yeah. that too dark? I mean, let's let's or just much, all lie down that, right now and become the treatise. Wait, I'm yeah. starving. That's either that's either <laughs> what I just said was either way too dark or honestly was based as fuck. I don't know which one. It could be both. Depends on who you ask. Um, Starting on a good <laughs> note, I see. <laughs> I try and say as many based things as possible. Maybe, maybe humanity was a mistake. Um, yeah. Hey, it's just the truth. But um, they call him. The, you know, we... They call him the Australian Greta Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, uh, yeah, well, we got some news today. That, sorry, we don't have great news today, actually. There's, it's, it's mostly, there's some positives in there as well. Uh, later on, obviously, the first topic is if you've browsed into the, the whole topic list below in the timestamps, uh, you'll have noticed some things in there that we're going to speak about today that is obviously not great news. Um, so, look, we're starting on a bit of a dark note, but I, I lose faith in humanity a lot and, and things I, the news I've had re heard recently doesn't really add to that. We have also got some more things to cover in terms of um, other news that happened across the Overwatch League with uh, John Spector moving up, uh, Mr. X as well. Then you have a new commissioner coming in or a new director of esports, whatever coming in, whatever the new title is. We're going to be talking about some of the team's movements. Apologies for not including more. If you were expecting more roster movements from more teams, we apologize. It's not going to happen this week. Why? Because there's just too much other stuff to talk about, especially because we didn't catch up on a lot of news last week. Again, last week was episode 200 where 
it was more of a celebration of the podcast and just catching up with a lot of different guests and seeing how they're doing. We kind of talked a little bit about the teams there. I mean, yeah, we had Albert on, obviously, speaking about his new roster, Nuki as well. But um, this week, there, there's so much to catch up on, so much extra news came out. We've only got time to realistically get into a couple of teams that we hadn't touched up on for the most part that have made some more of the solidified announcements that, that make more sense. And then we'll be ending the episode um, with a, a bit of a discussion and tribute to Alarm and another another topic that we didn't get to discuss last week because our episode was uh, recorded before then and before Alarm's passing. So um, there will be that as well. So this is going to be, I'm not going to say a different episode. It'll just be a very... Uh, an episode that's quite liked on roster moves compared to where we were before. Yeah, for sure. Much. Definitely some more pressing matters to uh, discuss and go through. But uh, again, like we say in most episodes, uh, if you haven't heard anything about your team this episode, we will get to it. Don't worry. There's plenty of time in the offseason. We will get to it. Con- maybe not it. Not maybe not in the next episode. Con- the one after that. Contrary to popular belief, the off season is very long, and like rushing out all, all the roster information in the first four weeks after the off season is probably not a good move. Oh, we're going to milk it hard. We're going to milk it so hard that when when all teams have finished all announcements, it's January. You're locked into your five plays. We're going to redo all twenty teams again where they're locked in rosters, even though we already know what the rosters were at this stage for some of them. And then we'll do it all again when they have to lock in their sixth member. So, you know, there'll be plenty of time to milk that content for later. But um, we're going to get into it now because this will be... I don't know how long this one's going to be. It depends on how long we're going to be talking about these topics. But I can see these topics being real in-depth. So uh, without further ado, episode 201 is brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronzebot Buhal, Chare, Prophet Picasso, Chris R34444, Rodino, Hunter Tain, Porkchop Sammy, Cash 67, Lotion, Rick Zane, Volumel and Sugar High, Volumel Smooth Nuts, and your misery, as well as our supporters on uh, YouTube as well, our members there. So welcome back to more of a standard episode 201. We're gonna start 201 with quite, you know, quite a heavy topic just to begin with, because we had more news just dropped very recently, hot off the press. By the time you watch this, it might have already been a couple of days, but the WSJ article about Bobby Bobby Kotick uh, just dropped recently for all of us. So the Wall Street Journal essentially had a huge report of some more ongoings within Activision Blizzard, this time primarily focusing on their CEO and their leader, Bobby Kotick, as being someone that basically was in the know of a lot of the mishandling and a lot of the mistreatment, a lot of the abuse and harassment of his women and female employees within his company, um, as well as uh, supposedly partaking some of that himself. He was also part of some of the harassment. There was a death threat in there as well. Um, And there was a lot of, you know, apparently by his hand, um, some cover-ups in there as well and, and some situations where he kept somebody on or he played a big part in keeping members on who who were um accused of as being abusers so there was it's quite heavy it's quite a lot of stuff in there i would if you're really interested i would suggest you actually take a look at the article Uh, i'm sure we'll add a link below somewhere in the description maybe but if you really want to know more about we're going to go through kind of the cliff notes of the important points here we're not going to go through the article line by line but uh you guys have at least seen some parts of this article. I don't know how much you've read of it. It's quite long. 
so you need a bit of patience um any any initial thoughts before we move into any specific details that we want to dive into um initial thoughts um kind of corporation corruption at its finest i guess um mega corporation of, strikes again yeah it, it feels ah. like a like a very strange b-movie plot um doesn't make it any less like tangible and real for a lot of these people um but i don't know call me jaded it just doesn't surprise me it doesn't make it any less bad right it's i condemn it it's bad it's people shouldn't have to go through this stuff um and yeah i think that uh, it's such a it's such a big one um yeah not good initial feeling not good yeah i mean <laughs> there's zero surprises about <laughs> what any yeah. like i think that was easily attributable to his character that he's pre previously displayed despite like whatever yeah. the board might think um I'm not surprised in the least. That's the disappointing part, right? The disappointing part is that, you know, I, I share the same sentiment when I first read about it, when I first saw that. Um, actually, the only surprise I saw, and I use the word surprise in a different context here, was in regards to specifically targeting Bobby because in my mind, he, I don't want to say he's invincible in, in this sort of thing, but he's he's so protected in that organization the fact that the board has come out and basically backed him which also is not surprising for what it's worth um they were surprised to see that he was targeted and he was actually there was actual real accusation stuff against him but also unsurprising in that like i mean he's he's the head of the snake in, in many regards like he's got to be it's he, you you would expect that he would be targeted he should have been targeted i'm almost surprised that he wasn't earlier uh, and the reason why i'm speaking riddles right now is because since he wasn't targeting the initial lawsuit and report, it felt like, well, I mean, Bobby's just untouchable. Then you can't even you can't even get to him. He just somehow escaped through the entire thing, just like squeezed through it all. But then, no, obviously they got him in the end, or at least they're attempting to get him now. Some things are coming into light, and it's a lot of what Joe said as well. It's a lot of, yep, mega corporation does mega corporation things again. Um, it also is disappointing in ways where it seemed like perhaps the direction of the company was moving in a more positive kind of arena where you had you know the zero tolerance policy um all the different changes they were wanting to enact uh bobby himself reducing his salary or his compensation to the state minimum um and you know people say like oh he's rich as he's rich as fuck anyway it doesn't matter what i'm being like well it's it, they're doing something even if it's even if it doesn't mm. seem enough they're starting to go on the right path i was waiting for more i i agree I, it's, it's not enough yet there should be more and there will be more but then this comes out and it's like wow i mean behind the scenes did we really expect any different i mean behind the scenes like they will they're they kind of covering themselves as much as possible but a lot of news came out a lot of a lot of new accusations, a lot of new insight comes out, and it's just like, oh man, it just kind of pulls back all the good work that they have attempted to do in the past X amount of whatever time. Mm. And, you know, we just kind of just put the reset button, we're back to square one again. Feels like it. And then you've got, um, I don't remember who it was, I had seen it kind of floating around in the, the Twitter sphere, if it was, um, about 
a lot of people pointing towards some of the uh, older, you know, Blizzard members, especially some of the ones on the Overwatch team, uh, departing, citing, you know, issues with leadership and, and kind of, you know, giving a mm-hmm. giving a nod towards that. It's it, it's one of those instances where it feels like it doesn't these aren't coincidences that, you know, so many people are leaving with what's come to light as of late. Um, yep. It's yeah, not a not a good look for anybody. Um, and like you said, change kind of needs to needs to happen. What what I'm is gonna, real on. quick? What what is your take on this? Because like they very very quickly had a statement ready in terms of like not like backing Bobby Kotick. We also know from the Jacob Wolf report that um the company had given um like extraordinary uh, holidays or something for a week starting Thanksgiving, I think. Um, and, like, given that information, I think, like, during an investigation, it makes sense. If you rattle enough so- or trying to f- find enough sources, someone's going to talk to leadership and sort of tip them off that something like this is not coming down the pipe. Um, do you think, like, they probably already, like, investigated whatever accusations Wall Street Journal made internally and were therefore prepared to make that uh, comment as a board? Or is this just, like, a like a very, like, I don't want to say knee-jerk, but I'm lacking the, like, a, a what, very... What comment are you speaking? What uh, comment are you referring to? They, the board gave a uh, comment in, in regards to, like, Oh yeah, misrepresentation and whatnot um, in the Wall Street Journal and like backing Bobby Kotick implicitly. So, do you think that's is it like something that probably was known and probably has been investigated thoroughly internally? Then I don't know. I I it wouldn't surprise me either way if it was just a knee jerk. Hey, he makes us a lot of money. Don't you talk about our pay pig like that? Um, or maybe it <laughs> was investigated. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they got one or two options. They're either going to back him or they're going to out him, right? Like, I don't know. Is there really an, an in-between yeah. that's available? You have to fall on one side of the fence here, really. Yeah. Uh, the, only, the only other op- option would have been to do further investigation and stay on the sidelines for a little bit, or stay on the fence rather, and just kind mm. of for the board to decide at a later date where they wanted to stand as far as which side of the fence they're going to lean towards. But yeah, this is pretty quick. They, they, they dropped on Bobby's side of the fence pretty damn fast um and based on what you know to what joe just said as well yeah i mean they've they it is of no surprise that they are backing the person who makes them a lot of money to and... be fair he has been pretty bad at this recently right like if you look at the stock uh, history like it's down 22 percent over the last six months due to these uh news yep. right of course yeah. you can stipulate like Something that's so reputation-based is probably more likely to increase eventually once the products, like... If you guys remember, like, oh. during, during similar issues in the past, the stock almost didn't budge whatsoever because, like, there was a no, new Call of Duty uh, mobile game coming out or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, are they just speculating that the stock will bounce back eventually? Or, um, like... Because in my mind, it's like... Okay, the reputation is in the gutter. There, but also their stock is, is low. Like if Bobby Kotick is not being thrown out yet now, he is basically like on like he's going to go whenever he wants to. 
Like he can retire that company 100%, right? Oh, that's what I've always believed. I've always thought that. I mean, mm. yeah, I, I, that's, this is why, again, I, I was surprised that he even got any of the flack, any of the targeting, because in my mind, he's, it seemed at least that he was so untouchable that it didn't even really matter. I don't even know if this is going to matter. I, I hope this does make more meaningful change, but the only meaningful change left that can be done from all of this is from him either stepping down or being removed. And there was the, um, the, I don't want to call them the wrong thing, but uh, what is the ABK like workers association mm -hmm. or yeah, um, I know what you I mean. Don't know if anyone knows the exact what they're called, basically sure. the whatever the, the group that's that's basically speaking on behalf of the workers at ABK, right? That's is what a I'm better ABK. I, just, I think it is better ABK. Yeah, th yeah, that's probably them. Um, they mentioned that one of the the new demands is that Bobby Kotick. Is has to step down or has to be removed. So, but I don't, I don't. By the way, they're going for another walkout. Uh, is that happening soon or today or maybe I it's already they happened? Had one yesterday. Yeah, but... I think it already happened actually. So, okay. yeah. So, I mean, they've made it quite clear that that's something they want now. But yeah, getting rid of some staff like um, what's his face, the the Jalen Brake, the, the the previous prison. I mean, that's that's an easy thing to do. That's like Bobby waves his hand and Jalen's gone, right? But for himself, like that's a very different thing. You're coming, you're coming after the person who has been right at the top, who has been so untouchable, who's made so much money for the company that even attempting to budge this guy feels gargantuan in, in the task, in the difficulty of the task. Um, so I just, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like he could just, he could take the company to the ground with him. Uh, you know, anytime he wants, and that would happen before he lets go of the reins. Very, it's very possible. Yeah, I, I would agree that it's gargantuan, but it feels it to me that feels like a and and I hope people understand what I mean by this. It feels like a desperate attempt. It feels that they're at the point of such low morale at a company wide basis, and I am very much like speculating on like what this means. But when you aim for somebody that big, things have got to be pretty dire. To make big change, you have to make big, you know, some something like that has to happen to really. I don't think see it's ever been more dire. Change. Yeah, it, 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 that's what it feels dire. like from the outside in. I'm just trying to understand from like their point of view, like you know that that is such a high bar. Like they have to know that. Of course they do. They work there. Um, <laughs> It, it it just he's got to be in the law. It feels so desperate. It's like he would this have has to be to in the happen. lawsuit. He would have to be in the actual lawsuit itself, mm. where you know you're you're introducing that now that extra factor. But even then, like I even as saying that, I didn't have any confidence. I was like, well, even if he is in the lawsuit, I don't know if that's enough either. I don't, I don't know that it's, that it's enough. I think that he. I think the board. Like, <laughs> it's just like the whole. Palpatine memes like I am the sinner. Like he, he, he pretty much is just the board, really, is he not? Like, I mean, how can you? You need, you need Luke Skywalker to come in or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else is. Phone Mark Campbell. He's our only hope. Yeah. Um, it feels, it feels like maybe I'm, maybe I'm really jaded in my thoughts on this. Mm. But I, uh, I don't know that he will ever step down and anything will change because you have the board publicly speaking out that nope 
we're backing our guy and uh wall street journal's wrong and yeah. uh you know blah 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 is wrong and all that kind of stuff and we're doing great work and maybe they are doing some work but clearly people are not satisfied and just more and more stuff are coming on through uh, let's just actually slightly move on to something specific within this which is about uh jen o'neill who mm. you guys all know who everyone out there knows as the co who was named as the co-president of blizzard entertainment along with mikey barra when jay allen brax uh, stepped down or was removed or whatever there is now news well obviously we knew that uh some time ago now not pretty recently that she also then stepped down and now mikey barra is the only president of activision blizzard and at first we weren't sure like what the deal was and kind of what were the reasoning and what went down internally why she stepped down because it was pretty pretty soon she'd only barely been in the role something like less than three months uh this report from wall street journal specifically states that and i'll read some of this for verbatim as well um first of all she's the first woman to lead one of the company's business units um that says the following month she sent an email to a member of activision's legal team in which she professed a lack of faith in Activision's leadership to turn the culture around, saying, quote, it was clear that the company would never prioritize our people the right way, end quote. And so Neil said in the email she had been sexually harassed early in her career at Activision and that she was paid less than her male counterpart at the helm of Blizzard, that's Mikey Barra, and wanted to discuss her resignation, quote, I have been tokenized, marginalized, and discriminated against, quote, end quote, wrote Miss O'Neill, who is Asian American and gay. She described a party for an Activision depart- development studio she attended with Mr. Kodak around 2007, in which scantily clad women danced on stripper poles. At the same party, a DJ encouraged female tennis to drink more so the men would have a better time, according to another person who was present. So she doesn't believe that things are moving in the right direction and she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. That's a, I think throughout this whole report, and the reason why I'm starting with this, is this might be one of the most damning things. This is probably like the biggest, if there was a headline, if there was one kind of subtopic i could choose out of this entire article i think i would choose this one because you know first female president of blizzard doesn't get paid as much as male counterpart doesn't believe that blizzard and activision are moving in the right direction steps down and leaves yeah no like uh, i mean as a signal that's pretty loud as as loud as it gets right without i mean for for obvious reasons it's very hard for her to like outright just come forward with that information as contracts and whatnot. It's always, by the way, like huge kudos to the journalists for getting that story. It's always nice to see. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, to be fair, was it in this article? I forget. Like, there were so many coming out. Wasn't there something also about him threatening someone um, over the phone? Do you guys remember reading that specifically? I vaguely yeah. remember a threat, but I don't remember where or how or when. Right, yeah. Um. Um, in 2006, one of, the, one of his assistants complained that he had harassed her, including by threatening her being... Let me just find out who her was. So we're talking about the correct person here. Uh, oh, the, the assistant, right? So this is where... So the assistant had made a complaint that uh, Bobby Cota had harassed her, including by threatening in a voicemail to have her killed. According to people familiar with the matter, he settled the matter out of court, the people said. The Activision spokeswoman said, quote, Mr. Cota quickly apologized 16 years ago for the obviously hyperbolic and inappropriate voicemail, and he deeply regrets the exaggeration and tone in his voicemail to this day, end quote. 
I mean, yeah, that is uh, that could be headline too. Don't go lie. Yeah, I, I mean, what what do you say with this? Like, it's bad. You say goodbye. Nobody should have to deal with this. You should say goodbye to him. Like, it, it it's it's so gross the comparisons of like art in real life when you have something like arcane where you actually have like a board of counselors that are like i like dealing with you know bigoted countries that deal in mass murder and the eventual invasion of a you know a, a continent um let's let's you know participate with that and you have somebody like activision blizzard you know dealing with kodak and and what he's done in the past um yeah it's i don't know man it it's it's gross this is why developer run esports shouldn't be a thing because i'd love to just not talk about this i'd love to just go and be like hey guys let's just talk about our fun little well, esport in our neck of the woods but alas here we are does anyone have any further thoughts on the whole jen o'neill situation um just as we move on we begin to maybe move away from that but i think generally speaking at least i'll, I'll go first is um yeah, like Iska said, it's a it's a it's it's a pretty loud and clear message. It's probably the clearest message out of it all is when the person you've appointed to kind of be. I mean, this is now this this part gets a bit you know tricky because it does now. When she said she got tokenized, I'm starting to feel it now because it did kind of feel like oh you know we'll we'll, we'll put Mike up there, but also um mm-hmm. uh, for good showing we'll put it we'll put a we'll put a woman up there as well. That's cool. And now it does feel like tokenization. I can sort of see it now from her POV. Um, and then beyond that as well, there is this kind of thing in, in business called, I think it's called glass cliff, uh, some sort of glass ceiling. It's glass cliff is when you hire or put into a high position of power in a company, a woman, when things are going extremely poorly. And usually it's done as a show. It's, it's, mm. it's performative or something like mm. that. So this is, this is how I've, I've seen other people describe it as, and it's, it makes a lot of sense. And the more you look at it, the more it does seem like, you know, she was there to be put on a pedestal, like to, to basically for them to say like, look, we care because we put Jen, Jen's our new president next to someone else, but she's our new president. That means we care. That, that now it seems like that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Try and give them the benefit of the doubt at the time. But yeah, when you have her publicly come out and saying like, this is how she felt in in that environment it it you can't do anything but call it kind of performative right like yeah it's it sucks it sucks because uh it's it's all just a mess it's it's sad it's the best way to put it yeah and i don't really know anything about i don't really know about anything about um her or mike i've heard some things about mike and that um mike like your bar plays World of Warcraft. That's like the main thing. That's the only thing people people say, and the only thing I've gotten out of the uh, out of the information. I don't actually know. It's been weird because in the part, everyone knows Mike Morheim. Everyone, we all know uh, Mike was the, the 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 OG Mike. Is there's now two Mikes, but Mike Morheim was the head. He was, you know, a figurehead, but also kind of the soul of Blizzard in, in a lot of cases as well. Um, yeah, and sorry, I just <laughs> Joe just 
drop yeah. something in here. What is this, Joe? You'll, you speak I don't know. I just I'm got, got a freshman yeah, trying to thought, and then you and then you bring this up. Yeah, yeah. Joe distracted it's me. I'll get you to explain right? in a um, so essentially, what I'm saying is like I think in the past we've all like all the presidents of Blizzard have been very kind of out there. You know, we all know who they are. Even Jalen Brack, like trying to take on that mantle a little bit. Uh, I always felt like something something bothered me a little bit about that person that position it always felt like you know uh and i'm i have no evidence to base this off it's just pure speculation on my end i could be completely talking about it out of my ass and i probably am but it did seem like jalen was kind of a mouthpiece for bobby and that's clearly a bobby appointed person in the role i'm sure they all are at the end of the day after mike Mulheim, but i mean I'm, i might just be talking shit but that's just that's just the feeling that i had right um and I don't know if Mike's getting different. I don't know anything about Mike Ibarra. Maybe it could be good, but it really comes down, it comes up to the top because all of these presidents of Blizzard, they're all just kind of, at least what they seem to me, as extensions of Bobby Kodak. But the problem starts with Bobby, right? And now something topical that did come up, Joe, you, you just kind of brought up an article about yeah. Bobby Kodak right now from the Washington Post. What is this? Yeah, to give a, a brief summary of, I think, the, some of the biggest points, um, there is at least a group, and again, I'm reading this as we're recording, so uh, as you guys probably hear this podcast, you probably have access to this, or and have probably hopefully read it uh, more in-depth than I have, but it seems like there is a group of shareholders that have penned a letter to uh let me just give you the quote uh quote in contrast to past company statements ceo bobby kodak was aware of many incidents of sexual harassment sexual assault and gender discrimination at activision blizzard but failed to either ensure that the executives and managers responsible were terminated or to recognize and address the systematic nature of the company's hostile workplace culture end quote the shareholders led by the strategic organizing center the soc Investment Group wrote in a joint letter addressed to the company's board of directors and shared it with the Washington Post. In addition to asking for Kodak to resign, the group of shareholders is also calling for the board's two longest serving directors, Brian Kelly and Robert Morgado, hopefully I got that name right, uh, to retire by December 31st. So there is some, you know, movement happening from the uh, shareholder level, which I think is a good sign. To be fair, and that's just like breaking right now. Like it just was sent to me. Yeah. To be fair, like th those appear to be four point five million sh uh, shares only, which is just over a little bit uh, than ten percent of the volume. So not a gigantic amount. Uh, mm. But yeah, I think there was something like this already asking for that in the past when the first uh, article about that subject yeah. came out. I'm wondering if uh, if there's going to be more impact based on that. Now, th it, these these demands seem to be more concrete than they were in the past. I'm not sure if mm. the shareholder value increased um, or not. But yeah, I mean, essentially, this is the only language that you can really feasibly um, yep. convince the board with, right? Yeah, it's got to come. It's got to come. It, it, you have to. It comes down to stock prices and shareholders. Those are the, that's the those are the two things in no particular order. That um, that is the language that the corporate speak. So this is the first, and this is obviously the first time I think we're all seeing this article because Joe, you just dropped this now yeah. um, mid discussion. So I I'm we're kind of live reacting here, and this is the first kind of real serious 
kind of stake coming out from a party that actually has a serious voice in the in the matter, uh, one that you can't really ignore. So, yeah. I am curious to see see where this goes from from this conversation because it's it is getting bigger now. It's getting to the point where uh, more action will need to be taken, and I'm sure the board would like to just ride this one out, but I don't know if they fully can anymore, which is good because you need to light a bit of a fire up their ass because uh, things got to move. Yep, that's I think the at the end of the day stuff has to stuff has to change um one thought or one quote that i thought was fairly poignant um which i'm assuming is from the letter sent to the board of directors um it reads quote after the new revelations it is clear that the current leadership repeatedly failed to upload a safe workplace a basic function of their job Mm -hmm. uh the soc executive or end quote the soc executive director uh said in an interview activision blizzard needs a new ceo board chair and lead independent director with the expertise skill set and conviction to truly change the company's culture uh we need to really have a reset button on the board end quote so yeah i think that kind of sums up the general feeling around this whole uh saga in activision blizzard's history um it's not good and they need a significant change to start to see some some new seeds planted yep so. because as um, I'm going to bring up another important point from the original Wall Street Journal article, as well as we head back to that, is one of the other um, big things that came out of it was this this series of lines, which I'll read out, and it has to do with Treyarch and Call of Duty. Um, Dan Bunting, co-head of Activision's Treyarch studio, was accused by a female employee of sexually harassing her in 2017 after a night of drinking, according to people familiar with the incident. Activision's Human Resources Department and other supervisors launched an internal investigation in 2019 and recommended that he be fired, but Mr. Kodak intervened to keep him. These people said, Mr. Bunting, who led Treyarch through the production of several successful Call of Duty games, was given counseling and allowed to remain at the company, these people said, and that eventually we get to the point where I believe he is now, and I'm moving away, I'm, I'm now just speaking uh, from me, not quoting the article anymore, there's a point where he resigned I'm trying to find that uh, in the article, but essentially, here we go. Mr. Bunting didn't respond to requests for comment. The Activision spokeswoman said an outside investigation was conducted in 2020. Quote, after considering potential actions in light of that investigation, the company elected not to terminate Mr. Bunting, but instead to impose other disciplinary measures, end quote, she said. Mr. Bunting left the company after the journal asked about the incident. So uh, supposedly now that W uh, Wall Street Journal has, has entered the, into the scene, Mr. Bunting just... Straight away, he's just like left. He's just gone. He's seen the writing on the wall. He knows it can only end badly and it's gone. But the, the main note to take out of this and take away from it is that basically Bobby Kodak kind of intervened and stepped in to keep someone who was an abuser um, and kind of sheltered him almost. So, well, directly. So there it is. It, it, this is even against the recommendation from their own HR department which recommended that he should, that Mr. Dan Bunting should have been fired. So Kodak was like, no, no, he did these things and HR thinks he should be fired, but uh, we're going to keep him. By the way, Another- just very quick as a, as a form of clarification, I said earlier, like the, the letter from the shareholders was like representative of like just over 10%. That's wrong. It's less than 1%. It's more like 0.6. Okay. Lovely. Even worse. Yeah. 0.6 um, of what? percent of the total outstanding shares so 
not very significant as a party. It's 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 just one more thing. Oh, from the Washington Post article, yes. you're talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yep. So, uh, Joe, you were saying something? Um, uh, as I'm kind of clicking through uh, this this article, I found an IGN uh, kind of uh, supplementary piece to the whole General O'Neill uh, resignation and not being paid. Um, about the same. I haven't read through this whole thing. I am reading a headline here, so I'll cite the bias. Um, but it seems as though she was offered a an equivalent pay only after she uh, handed in her her resignation. So uh, take that for what it's worth. I can link that to you if you want to see it as well. So if anybody wants to, to read, I'm glad they I'm podcast. glad they tried to keep her, but they tried to keep her in, in yeah. like. A, the worst oh, we'll, way. We'll, we'll do the thing that we should have done in the first place yeah which which only <laughs> like, furthers people... that kind of tokenization where it's just like really like now you want to okay like ugh. <sighs> so gross <sighs> so, yeah. oh well i don't know if i have more to add or we just go keep going through the list of offenses here <laughs> It's a long right. list. It gets longer. It's yeah. a very long list. Yeah. It don't. Uh, it don't stop. Yeah. And another one. And Pretty another much. one. Uh, I Thanks, really Bobby, do love DJ for Khaled. that one as well. I really do love DJ Kellen. The hits just keep on coming. Um, I think we should talk about what impact this has on. Future Blizzard titles. Um, the mm. main one that people are obviously interested in is Overwatch, but Diablo 4 is effective as well, I'm sure, as all the other franchise and everything else. And we should talk about any impact on the Overwatch League. Um, we're, we're, we will get into some more positive stuff down the line as well. We'll eventually start talking about John Spector and his promotion. Before we get to that, I just want to sort of end discussion on the WSJ article in terms of where we think things are headed into the future um, in any regard that you want to, you want to talk about here, but um, yeah, anyone want to start? I think if how to, how to, how to phrase this, um, obviously we don't know what's happening in Activision Blizzard. That's that goes without saying. Um, I think best case scenario is that Kodak is removed and real change can actually take place that's also not to diminish any kind of change or like real progress that people inside the company have felt i don't know that that has happened i have not seen it but i also haven't been looking for it um yeah i just i just hope things get better for these people that have been affected and you know this company does see uh some form of change i'd like to see radical change but that's just me that's what? that's my two cents like, I mean, what kind of change is really required? We can start with Bob, if Bobby uh, steps down. Mm. When, when you say radical change, in my mind, and we might all have different ideas of what radical change sounds like, it is so radical that you, you're, you're pushing the reset button in a way. You're like majorly pushing the reset button um, where it, it's not even just Bobby. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of the C-suite people. It's a lot of the people right at the top that surround Bobby, the... the his group that he's built around him, his hires that he's built around him in the leadership group, right at the tippy top of the table, you know, 
Um, yeah, and I mean, Fran Townsend's a part of that, as, as well as various other names. I'm not going to name the entire, you know, C-suite, but there's a, there's a pessimism in me that also thinks, okay, let's say Bobby is gone. Is the next guy really better? Is the next guy yes. or whoever is the next person an improvement? Mm. I mean, he's, he, set the, he set the standards so high for all the bullshit that he's done. I guess, I guess yeah. by that regard, you ha- it has to be better. But is it, what, is it what ABK needs? Is it what the gaming industry needs? I, or, is another, or is another person that is just like Bobby Kotick version 2, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, Monkey Paul could curl and make it worse, right? Like, for sure. And Like, how could you get worse? I don't even... That, that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at, right? You, it doesn't feel like you can get any worse. Um, hey, hi, Trump. Trump's now the CEO of ABK. Right, that's yeah. how it gets worse. Well, to, um, to kind of uh, reiterate or, or circle back to something, uh, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg, very famed kind of games journalist, um, uh, added a, a bit of context to this um, that I've been linked. Um, he's quoted on his Twitter saying, I'm seeing a lot of big reactions to this story. The one that we just kind of talked about from, I think it's the check, the Washington Post um, that just came out. Um, so he said, I'm seeing a lot of big reactions to this story, but some uh, important pieces of context uh point one this group the soc owns 4.8 million shares or just 0.6 percent of activision blizzard and the soc has been criticizing Kodak for a long time this isn't a turnaround or shift from them so it yeah. sounds like there's movement that has kind of always been there yeah. um it's not as bright and shiny or sunny as it uh it seems maybe hopefully again hopefully this this does enact some change but uh that definitely puts some holes in my sales when i saw that kind of uh, context added the other problem is is you've lost a lot of good talent apple is now some mm-hmm. legitimate talent yeah Genuine. where you're how are you supposed to attract these guys back if you can't even do so at all uh not that long ago you had blizzard as a prime top of the table top of the mm-hmm. shelf destination for game developers and people that want to be game developers right uh, and that was a reputation they held for the longest amount of time, deservedly so, based on how successful their past franchises and releases have been. Uh, and that reputation's been completely shot now, and they've lost a lot of good staff who have gone on to basically make their own studios or just join other studios. They've either joined Riot, or you know, it's Ben Broad forming his own independent studio, or it's a lot of veteran Blizzard staff creating Dreamhaven with Mike Morheim and they're basically doing Blizzard 2.0 uh, over there. Um the, the this is why I'm saying like I don't even know like if even if Bobby was gone like what do we have left? Like the the you have to so much repair is required mm-hmm. to kind of restore that name that I don't even I can't even fathom the task ahead. Uh and it's a shame because I I think there are still some beloved fran they don't there's just a shitload of beloved franchises there that I think fans would love to, would love to love. You know, they want to come back to it. They want to play. They want to, and I fall in love with that again. With this whole situation, ABK is, uh, kind of ruined everything. And and you have a lot of delays that have come there. We all saw from the, what is it, the quarterly earnings call that mm. they had made delays to Overwatch Two and Diablo Four. So that now, uh, we can speculate, but also we we've, we've seen some words within as well which basically says that, you know, the delays 
are in part due to leadership changes, especially on the Overwatch side, because you lost Chaco, you lost Chaco Sunny, you've lost uh, obviously Jeff Kaplan, and I'm if there was another big name in there, I think Arnold is Arnold Sang still there. Um, there's another that the the, right. the person in I need to find I need to find I sh I should know this. Um, but yeah, you've there's lost a lot, lot of people, big people, and yeah, uh, yeah, that's not it's Arnold not Sang. It was the it was the other person? Arnold Sang is still there, I believe. It was the other person who was in in art, and I've I'm I don't know why I forgot. I'm gonna look for it while we we speak, but sure, yeah, uh, yeah. It, there's 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 a ton of talent that is left. Um, and to kind of vamp on a point that we made earlier, like it, there's no circumstance. There's no, you know, this isn't happenstance that all these people are leaving when, you know, it, it get it's getting bad. It's getting bad there. And I can't imagine that it's easy. It's an easy place Michael to work Chu. at. Michael Chu. Oh, the writer for Chu. Overwatch. I think he left, right? Yes. I think he, he did leave. I just don't know exactly when in the timeline of this nonsense. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Um, it happened. Um, but yeah, he did end up leaving, which is a little weird now that I think about it because yeah, I don't know. Just Overwatch in general is a bizarre timeline. Uh, none of it's good, man. Reset it all. Yeah. You, you need new leadership. Let me, unless you want to add something right now, Jessica, I'm going to read out a quote from Tracy Kennedy. Who's a producer on Overwatch and Blizzard currently? Mm. Uh, she says in her tweet, when the Overwatch directors resigned, they pointedly made comments about the company's quote unquote cultural issues in their goodbye speeches. The subtext was that ABK's culture is at odds with our team's culture, and that and that didn't think they could fix it with the current leadership. Of note is that the longer that culture divide exists, the more we will lose extremely top-tier talent and the more delayed all our games will be. Scapegoating Overwatch 2's delay onto Charco's leaving was disingenuous. So that to me was quite telling. It also says, there's also a little bit of positive in there that says the Overwatch team in general um, has kind of escaped away or it hasn't been a part of the the more outstanding issues in fact mm. their stance against it is so strong that they've lost a lot of strong talent which is extremely upsetting because that and there was another person that left as well she didn't get as much attention she was um a designer that i i don't remember she was in the um in the multiplayer reveal i'm gonna try and find her name but she essentially um design like the skill trees and a lot of that kind of stuff okay uh if you guys remember as well and i'm Very trying good. to find she was she was in yeah she was in that uh that pvp reveal video i'm gonna try and find her name while we sort of talk about it but essentially it's just a lot of people in really important positions kind of departing mm -hmm. right it's just quite sad yep uh, yeah it, to, to repair that to kind of you know hop on a a point that you had made Avril um, to reinstate Blizzard as like this S tier developer, somebody that you want to work for somebody that you can you have as a resume bullet point and really kind of shock um, your next employer, or maybe you just want to stay there as a career. Um, you need change and, and that has to start in a big way and it has to start from the top. Um, what, what else is there to really say? Um, I don't think reinstating, you know, presidents is going to 
whether it's a co-president, whether it's a you want to give it a new title, you want to give it a fresh coat of paint. It is what it is. There's always going to be that 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 stigma attached to this this company um, until some significant change happens. And yeah, it starts from the top for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if I have anything else meaningful to uh, to add. I I just hope. It it seems sort of cynical at this point, but like, um, what we found out over the, over the last couple of years about the gaming industry has been so, so sad. Um, should it should be a place of great cre uh, creativity and positivity. Because culture, like, games are now one of the most culturally relevant and value-forming entities in our modern life. Mm -hmm. And what kind of values can you transport when you're living, like, actual nightmares in your work environment, right? So, I don't know. Like, it it makes every every other issue that we're having feel small. Like, um... Of course, like people are not going to get Overwatch to push through when you like you're constantly dealing with that bullshit, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just time to make this shit uh, efficient again, and mm -hmm. that means just cutting all the rot out uh, as with as broad strokes as you need to be, like yeah. just just stop. So uh, the person I was referring to, I finally found, is Julia Humphreys, who was a production director on Overwatch and Overwatch 2. Um, and so that's another person that left. She had a director title, so she was pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. She was doing, she was high enough. So she probably would have been one of the people that Tracy's talking about because she's specifically saying when the Overwatch directors resigned because there's, you know, that's, that's growing list apparently. Um, it's pretty bad. But at the same time, what, I, what I'm basically getting out of this is that, yeah, it is impacting the development of all games, Diablo, uh, Overwatch, obviously, and everything else, and it's going to have further negative consequences towards those release dates and potentially the quality of those games as well. Like you have to try and replace that talent that's gone while developing the game at the same time, and it's just a monstrous job and monstrous undertaking. And at the same time, as well, you know, from the the board of directors side of things, from the from the executive side of things, is they're kind of buckled up for the long ride as well because they're thinking in their minds and i'm speculating here as well that okay it's looking pretty bad now but they're also waiting for the next release to see if their stock price can bounce back up and if they can restore some faith to some good games because they haven't released anything in a long ass time mm. so games are, but the games are not going to be coming out anytime soon and eventually we're going to transition this conversation towards what that means for the overwatch league because currently you know and i can speak to my side of like from my time working in the Overwatch mm. League this year in 2021, where um, despite everything else going on, I, I personally think the Overwatch League did as much as it could and improved in various ways and did as much as it could with the resources that it had and the means uh, supplied to provide an excellent product. Uh, and I thoroughly think the product this year was like extremely good. I think that if we had this product, in year one, obviously, on uh, without COVID and with LAN and all that kind of stuff, um, it would have been, it would have been even better than what we had in 2018, which is a lot of hindsight, obviously, because you had to learn a lot of lessons along the way to get to the point that we have been. But we've mm -hmm. had some good leadership to get there as well. Um, the good news for Overwatch League 
which is a very small kind of glint of a silver lining and everything else that's gone wrong is that Overwatch League is still going to go ahead next year as far as we all know like I mean it's I believe it's like pretty much legally required to go ahead you have a lot of um, investment in it that requires it to go ahead like it, it must no matter what mm. um, and some version of Overwatch 2 must be played next year as well like these are all things that are confirmed and will be happening so that all the people that are all the people that are speculating or wondering have the question of like oh is, is Overwatch League dead as well or that kind of stuff well it's definitely happening next year Beyond yeah. that, we no one can say just yet, but it's definitely happening next year. And you know, the the future of it will also depend on of Overwatch and Overwatch League will depend on the success of Overwatch Two. But that's probably not going to come out until sometime in the future, possibly either end of twenty twenty two or sometime in twenty twenty three. As Andy yeah. B was very quick to say, the community manager Andy B was quick to say, like, oh, okay, the twenty twenty three thing that's not like a confirmed real thing. But he also obviously isn't going to commit to say, oh, it's 2022 instead. Right, He's just yeah, saying yeah. the whole 2023 thing is not like a 100% confirmed thing. So who knows at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. um, but then back to Yiska's point is that while we're all thinking about that, it's this, this all does still feel like a bit of a small stake thing compared to the rest of the fire that's happening within all of ABK. Because it's not just Blizzard either. We, we just heard about Treyarch. We're hearing, hearing about the rest of Activision. There's way more that goes on like bobby's own assistant all that kind of stuff it's, it goes so deep that it transcends just blizzard because you know activision for the most part during during in july and whatever through the whole lawsuit they kind of dodged the bullet in some ways but now you know they're all part of it all of abk activision blizzard king it's all the same thing at the stage um so i don't know i don't know what the future looks like and I, all i know is that <laughs> we'll be doing something next year in 2022 but yeah. who the fuck knows what after that pretty much keep yeah, in mind it, this news might just delay whatever they thought was feasible as well with walkouts and whatnot and potentially like possible may, maybe so like about development yeah may, maybe this will further impact development but will further uh, impact like additional people just like resigning and whatnot like could definitely it, this could further impact some delays you're either staying on as a developer because you believe that there is something worth saving there or you're passionate enough about the work and maybe the game you're working on and you you have some glimmer of hope left that things can turn around you want to be part of that change or you've given up and you've gone and i'm not saying either answer is correct or one is worse or better or anything like that because no one should stay if they don't feel that they're either safe or that they belong mm. or any of that or or if maybe they just don't believe in the direction maybe maybe you know, maybe they're they're along the same lines and thinking that yeah, you can't you you'll never be able to touch Bobby no matter what, and that's that's just going to be there to stay. Um, but yeah, it, like I see, if more people leave, then it will further delay, implicate, and slow down, and uh, potentially even worsen development. And it's going to be harder and harder to get those people back or to get people to replace the missing positions. Now you're just going to have smaller and smaller teams until you've got not a lot left. And it does feel like a critical mass type of thing because as things look dimmer and dimmer and more people give up, the more people will then also follow suit, right? So it's it does seem pretty bleak. I've, it's, I've not been this down on the entire thing for a long time. I've been trying my best at being optimistic. Yeah. I'm trying to be a glass half full kind of guy and I'm still looking for glass half full interpretations of this all, but I'm not gonna lie. Though. This is seeing, this is probably one of the the darkest days I've had in in regards to this entire outlook and topic. 
Yep, could have some far-reaching, uh, far-reaching implications. And uh, again, at the end of the day, uh, these are people. And before we jump to uh, shut up, talking head podcast, man, give game, please. Um, try to have a little bit of empathy for you know a, a company that is going through a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like the best place to work, and it doesn't even sound the most safe. Uh, to work in so before we just think of how this impacts us there there is a slew of individuals that um, have shown with their metaphorical wallets obviously leaving that there is some some serious harm going on here um don't don't just scream about overwatch 2 and its delays yeah um, they're they're genuine people being you know both upset and actively harmed by this yep it's an important message, Joe. But also, I think that unfortunately, the people that need to hear that message are, are un- they don't they don't have, they don't have their ears <laughs> open. Not. They're not watching this currently, because uh, there's the, I would you know the jaded part of me, and as much as I try and be optimistic, the the pessimistic part of me knows almost verbatim for a fact that there's a there's going to be a large amount of people who, I mean, they they don't give a shit. They don't like this is all this is all quote unquote internal drama than Blizzard. They just want to see a yeah. game, and that's all they care about. Um, and if there's no game, they move to another game because yep. it's fully transactional. And I don't necessarily hate them for it. I, I don't necessarily no, think that they're, they're going about it poorly because if you're a consumer, your time is limited and all the details within at the end of the day, look, um, if this was in the film industry, they, they don't care why the movie was bad. They just know yep. the movie is bad and they're going to go watch something else instead. That's it. Yep. That's just, yep. that, as transactional as that. Unfortunately, it's ex- extremely unempathetic, but that's how consumerism is at the end of the day, which also means, you know, not great things for ABK currently. Let's talk about something more positive now, finally, and someone I, I do have a, have a lot of faith in, and um, I trust a lot to make good decisions, and I trust to, to handle things well, and in my opinion, has, has proven his ability to do so is Mr. John Spector, our unofficial commissioner, moving up through the world in an ABK to a new position in franchise development instead, um, where I believe he used to be vice president. Uh, what was, does anyone know his exact former title? I really should have looked this up vice earlier. Vice president of the Overwatch League, I think. I'm not 100%, but 80%. Yeah. So he's moved from that to now be, quote unquote, this is the official title, Overwatch commercial leader at Blizzard. And as far as I'm aware, this is a pretty big title to have because it moves you quite a bit further up the food chain where you're obviously you're no longer just working on the Overwatch League. You're working on the whole commercial aspect of the Overwatch franchise, which includes everything that is first and foremost Overwatch League is the eSport is part of the franchise. Uh, but the game is the certain parts of the game in a commercial aspect. He's not a developer. He's not making development... Um, decisions he's not going into team four and developing the game but he's making commercial decisions for the game mm. and then beyond that other commercial things such as you know expanded stuff on, on blizzard like i'm gonna I'm try i'm gonna try and not say things that i'm not extremely sure on so i'll hold back on a few things but he would be for example someone that might be overlooking um the more peripheral stuff surrounding Overwatch, like the comics, other 
spin-off things as well mm. like netflix show um like um yeah just, you know stuff like that like i don't know plushies toys all all of the commercial stuff right it's a mm. pretty big job it's a pretty big title yeah. and honestly as someone that's very connected to the esports and the overwatch league and am to overwatch as a product i think he's gonna kill it i think this is perfect yeah should be should be kind of cool um is it is it selfish of me to wonder what that means for overwatch esports if we have somebody who is um kind of uh, grassroots is a bit aggressive but you know somebody who has ties to the esports side of things moving into the marketing um and commercial team you know i wonder if what that means for us maybe we get some some cool little toys and perks and stuff that'd be kind of neat but you know again yeah uh joe we need a show just say it uh we need a show. <laughs> i i think we do i agree that we do but um that's a big one i, I that's its own show i'm gonna i, I want to put a pin in that if we get to it today that'd be great but um i have a lot of thoughts regarding uh a potential overwatch show obviously it sounded like it was in the works early on but regardless um yeah j specs has been seemingly great for overwatch for uh the format what's you know the has been kind of the parent to where the overwatch is today um so we have to give him kudos for that and yeah it i i don't have uh too many bad things to say at least yeah seems good yeah i, I it's always hard to to sort of speculate what what that might mean uh for in effect what we might feel as consumers or viewers of the Overwatch League or like fr uh, fans of the franchise what this might mean I'm not even sure would he be working like based on the, the definition that you read would he be working for instance on monetization for this for Overwatch and deciding on loot boxes battle passes and stuff like that could be that he could even and this is speculatory I'm not I'm definitely not speaking any straight facts here um, but he could even be someone that decides like a beta date, a release date, stuff like that. Um, what? Well, okay. When I say decide, I don't mean like he's he's the he could be the person that literally decides. I'm sure it's, it'd be more of a team effort than that, but he would have a say. Let's just say he would have a say in it. And again, that's yep. not like some confirmed thing I'm saying. That's just like based on um the combination of my own speculation of what I actually do know about his role. But right. the role seems pretty open. It's pretty flexible because the commercial side of the franchise is like. Like that's a lot of things, you know. That's that's a very broad mm. stroke, which it's a, it also means it's a huge job. Um, yeah. But okay, Joe, you you were too cowardly to talk about it, but yeah, I do think that we need a show. We need. I, I heard <laughs> I heard rumors about the oh they're yeah. gonna make a movie and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do Initially, that. Initially, like, there were reports that Overwatch was supposed to be this big universe, and it just never happened. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you why, but. That was supposed to happen. What a waste. It, it's what not a waste. 100% agree. It's not cowardice that I don't want to talk about it, but I know that I'm going to branch off into like very meta topics around that space that either people aren't going to want to listen to or are just going to completely hijack the podcast and we have what? other things to talk about. <laughs> well, I, well I, I was going to bring up, I was going to bring this up and I, I told you, I warned you that I, I was going to bring this up uh, before the, um before we recorded today, which is the fact that when you look over the fence and you know where the grass is always greener um mm. you you have good old riot esports dropping or right games dropping arcane 
yeah. their Netflix show surrounding their their pri- premier franchise, League of Legends. And beyond that, as well, by the way, I also noticed they dropped two new games on Steam yeah. around League of Legends. I'm like, geez, they're just doing they're, they're just dropping titles left, right, and center. Um, but Arcane has been killing it. It's one of the biggest shows on Netflix. Everyone's forgotten about um, Squid Game now. Squid who? In fact, more people care about Crab Game than Squid Game now, as everyone's just Squid Game is like a thing of the past. That's how the internet works, folks. You you shine brightly and you know for one moment, and then that spark is gone, and now everyone's moved on to the next thing that came out, which is Arcane. Uh, great promotion. They actually did promotions on Twitch. This is the thing they know their audience really well. They allowed people to stream the first episode, potentially more. I believe it was just the first episode on Twitch via restreaming the Ryan Games channel when they were live streaming the episode. So doing just insane promotions for this thing. And it's not even like some gimmick, like you think about like, oh, video game show. Ooh, this sounds a bit yucky. Oh, it's actually legitimately good. I've watched it. Uh, and I think it's something that even a non-League of Legends fan could appreciate. Why am I bringing this up? Obviously, because it's it feeds into the wider conversation about like, what is, what, what, what is what's happening with the Overwatch franchise? This is like... You guys remember when Overwatch was both announced and when it was released in 2016, obviously announced way before that, but released in 2016, it was one of the biggest cultural phenomenons I have ever seen, yeah. not even in gaming, just of anything, in anything. Mm-hmm. Like, people think Fortnite was big, and like, I'll, I'll give it to you, Fortnite had some good things going, it showed up in the news, and Ninja went on Ellen and all this kind of shit, right? That's cool, but Asia doesn't care about Fortnite. There's plenty of regions out there that don't care about Fortnite. It's an NA mm-hmm. thing, and all the NA Andes think Fortnite's the biggest thing in the world, uh, but they have also don't believe anything exists out of the, out of the United States, so uh, their opinions aren't warranted. When you actually look at the rest of the world, there's few games that have the wide reach and the cultural phenomenon, kind of shared cultural phenomenon, I should say, globally, and that's like really League of Legends and Overwatch, and especially yeah. Overwatch because it was more than just a game. It was to the, the to most people it was way more than just a game, right? A lot of people enjoyed Overwatch for all the stuff surrounding it, including the shorts, the characters, um, and the franchise in general. The surrounding world of it was the thing that got people really excited. Part of the reason why they're even doing PVE for Overwatch Two and the developing narrative and story elements is because that's what people want. That's what mm-hmm. the masses really want at the end of the day it's a competitive game to some people but it's like an endearing franchise to to most people and to everyone else and so the fact that they haven't capitalized on doing more of that is crazy because this this should be like a pokemon thing right you should be you you get you should have all the pencil cases and lunch boxes and the cartoon the anime and the trading cards and everything it should have all of the above some of it people might consider cringy but shit that's what a real global franchise looks like and that's something that overwatch could have had and maybe can still have if they can kind of redeem it that's that's the difficult task i think i think this game was kind of born from a miracle and i wouldn't be shocked to see it kind of reestablish itself um as a a workhorse in in the gaming sphere i just don't know if it'll ever be what overwatch was um and call me biased but i will be forever interested as to why uh this did not receive the treatment that i think people rightly assumed it should have or you you saying it's potentially unredeemable or irredeemable i don't know if we can ever get to the peak of like the 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 fever that was 
Overwatch's initial like PR push and just that global reach. I don't know that we'll ever get back to that point. Can we maybe get near it around it with, you know, infinite you, amount of time? I don't know. Would you, would you accept a slow burn approach where obviously you need Overwatch 2 to come out. It would have to be a mm -hmm. hit and then you, and then you continue developing and then the show drops and then there's more comics and plushies and, and then this and that and things and then and things move in that upward trajectory. Would that would you accept that? I one hundred percent. That's that's kind of where I see this, and I still don't know. I don't know that we will ever get back to that point. I think we can get damn close. I think if everything is green light, everything is you know well enough, and we do get a sizable amount of time to grow into this game together and see all the shows and see all the stuff come out and all the comics and everybody's cool with PVE. Maybe it can, but it's just it's such a high bar to get back to that's also being approached from a company that has such a low bar that it sits at right now. I don't know. Call me pessimistic, but I really don't know if we'll ever get back to what Overwatch, the, the heights of Overwatch in like 2017, 2016. I, I don't know. You also have to understand, like during that time, we had one of the like largest marketing campaigns for sure. Right. Like. We were throwing some serious dosh in terms of marketing. Like, you were well spent, well spent, yep. right? Um, mm -hmm. And it, it that's that's why it feels such like such a waste. And like, I wonder if they anticipated the amount of immediate success that when like is that a word resonation the amount of how much it would resonate with people when choosing their strategy in order to put out games because like. By having that amount of attention, like a live service game strategy would have easily been the more, uh, the better one, right? Mm. Just doing nothing for years and years, other than bringing out a, a map and whatnot, is not how you keep a highly successful franchise uh, audience um, engaged, right? Now, mm. I had a second point. Um, No, sadly, that escaped me now. <laughs> it happens. It'll it's fine. I'll, I'll give you time to work that out like I had to for two specific members of Blizzard and more in the past. I, did, I had to Google up and to try and get their names properly in the titles. Because, um, yeah, the shred of optimism that I do have, and I've, I, I think I'm a pretty grounded person for the most part, but I'm looking for pathways. I'm looking for what is the path that you have to take to get to the place you want to be. Mm -hmm. And the way I see it being done is that they obviously would have to release Overwatch 2 to some good success. And for all the people, here, you know, if you were truly a naysayer and you were truly super jaded and pessimist, you'll just be like, oh, well, Overwatch 2 is dead on release. I'm like, well, let's see if that can actually be the case. So I'm not sure, willing yeah. to say that until I actually see it. And anybody who, who does say that, I, I think you're being a little bit too hasty in your commentary where I think you should wait to see something before having that expectation. Um, and also that's a dangerous expectation to have because I also don't think you'd be giving the game a fair chance because what's going to happen is the game will drop. You, you're, In your mind, you've already decided it's going to be bad. You play it and you're going to um, have a, a bias towards looking at only the bad things. Be like, oh, these things suck and yep, it's as bad as I thought and then you're gone. Um, I think that's a dangerous mentality to have. Just try and be open-minded about it and try and like at least approach it objectively if that's even possible. It's not mm. possible for a lot of people because uh, they like the self-awareness, but 
what I'm trying to get to is the pathway I see is to to go back to that is you need to have a good release for Overwatch 2 if that's possible. Yeah, um, that's a, a good game. And then something that will draw people back in and then have that marketing campaign, have that marketing engine rev, its engine, have rev itself again, get into developing the franchise beyond the game. That is super important. And this is, this is uh, while also then having a game that's able to churn out content. Um, mm. What else? And then you, yeah, you, I think people will come back because I'm not going to lie. I, I think there's a, there's a large amount of people out there. This is speculation from my end, but there's a large amount mm. of people out there who, um, you know, they've moved away from Overwatch, but if an Overwatch 2 was there, they probably would come back. They'd probably mm-hmm. give it a go. They don't, they're not as invested in the doom and gloom. They're not as invested in maybe even the lawsuit. Maybe they don't even know about sure, it. Maybe they sure. do live under a rock. Maybe they just, they just play games casually. Maybe they play Overwatch on the Switch. And all of this is just noise. And they don't know about any of it. And they don't really care mm-hmm. about any of it. They're, they're consumers to the pure definition of what a consumer is. And they treat the game as a consumer product. And that's that. And not, there's nothing else beyond it. I think they would come back. Because I've... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that my anecdotes are reflective of everybody that exists in the world, but small anecdotes that I have with, you know, talking to people who are just casual Overwatch players. Who This is just in my own personal life. I'm not like out there on the Battle.net forum seeking people's opinions or anything. Um, but I'm talking about people who wouldn't even dream about going there, who are so casual, they probably wouldn't even go on a forum. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go to a Reddit. They wouldn't go into a Battle.net forum. They wouldn't even go to Facebook to talk about Overwatch. They just play, they would just want to play casually. And these are the type of people that have, you know, directly said like, oh yeah, I used to play Overwatch and, you know, I kind of moved away from it, but uh, they know Overwatch 2 exists, but they're like, yeah, I'd probably, I'll probably play it again when Overwatch 2 comes out. Like these are the kind of people I'm referring to. Right? And I, yep. I have a fair belief that that's actually the vast, vast, vast majority of people. And, you know, the people yelling quite loudly on the internet probably don't represent that audience because that audience has nobody representing them because they don't, fucking go on the internet they don't speak at all they're they're completely mm. silent but they're they're the silent gnats that i think would would definitely give it a shot a fair shot i would hope as well i i remembered my earlier point by the way and like go it's on. it is really just like weird to to see everyone else do like the most impossible boundary pushing oh okay stuff yeah. right like okay l- let's look at what riot has done like, mm-hmm. League of Legends 10 years, they were fairly one-dimensional. They were pushing the esports envelope a little bit, for sure, with their broadcasting, mm-hmm. with their uh, songs. Uh, they developed into that way, telling the narrative in a different way. Then they moved into, like, the AR Dragon, got a lot of recognition for that. Now they're, like, in 12 million games that they've developed. They have that, uh, like, great uh, show that uh, on Netflix... They are pushing the envelope. You have companies like Epic Games who are like talking about developing, being one of the major players in the metaverse. Same for Roblox. So they have these big dreams. Um, companies like EA and Blizzard, like what what did they uh, do? What where are they pushing the envelope on? Like what what is the most novel like? Um, revenue generating assets that blizzard has right now or activision in general it It is revamps dude so uh, like the new thing yes king is the most uh yeah they're the most successful yes but i mean but still like it's it is it is revamps that's the biggest growth factor outside their normal 
product line that has like turned like you're looking backwards instead of forward. You're trying to like get the the thirty plus crowd in instead of doing uh-huh. anything interesting with your IPs. Like the only IP that had anything new going for you, where you accidentally struck gold, you let completely like deteriorate to the point where we're now looking at 2023 potentially for the next iteration with zero content in between or zero really relevant content in my books anyway in between and the only other thing that you stumbled upon as being a good thing are revamps where your former president literally told us we don't want that shit like how it's, I think he's right, though. We don't want that shit. <laughs> we actually don't. We want new games. I mean, yes, but like the commu- consumer eats it up. Yeah, I mean, don't get me started on consumer behavior. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, like, there's no vision. There is nothing novel, nothing exciting. Nobody has good ideas or no I- ideas get th- pushed through into development from as far as we can see. And it's so tiring. It is like... Tell me about a company that is just in the squeeze of their old assets with zero probability of having any explosive growth growth factor. While like companies like Epic, Roblox, Riot have like the chance to 10x their uh, evaluation in in the foreseeable sh- future just with the directions they're currently taking. It is completely mm-hmm. uninspired. I agree. Can I throw them a bone real quick? Sure. Um, I, I think what you're saying seems pretty correct, but I the bone I'm going to throw is the fact that, I mean, you only know about these things that Riot are doing because they've actually done them and they're all released. Sure. There's probably a lot of stuff that has never been released that, that is still in the works. Like, mm. you know, f- the only reason a few years, it seems like, here's what it seems like. It seems like, oh my God, in the last like one to two years, Riot have dropped like 10 games and a and a Netflix show and X and Y and they did a dragon. It's just like, yeah, but that shit's been in works for the last decade. Like, come on, like these, these things take time. Like, I, I think you, you have to assume that Blizzard uh, have a lot of things in the skunk works that they haven't even talked about. hasn't even discussed that are in the works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they do, they are, it's not like they're not making new games. Yeah. They're making sequels for their franchise, but that's also something that the people uh, want debatably for Overwatch. I mean, I, you could debate that Overwatch's audience didn't really want a sequel, but I think Diablo, as a, as a former Diablo player who would definitely play Diablo 4, those motherfuckers, are, they are thirsting. They are parched mm-hmm. for a sequel. Let me tell you that they are just, they need something. They got nothing right now. They don't even have that mobile game that was supposed to come. That's still in yeah. development, FYI. <laughs> Uh, it's actually not bad. I actually played Diablo Immortal. It it's, actually not, it's actually okay. It's an actually yeah. a pretty okay game. Um, what I'm trying to say is there's, there's stuff in there that we don't even know about. This is me throwing them a pretty hefty bone. Yeah. It's a T-Rex bone <laughs> Dude, I'm throwing. That, I'm like, ever, like, but you, I, I, think it's, I think it's just incorrect to say, oh, they got nothing coming. Sure, like, well, we sure. don't know what's coming. I, I don't can't know. know. I can't know. You know what Blizzard feels like to me, though? Madonna. You know, Madonna, like, Madonna used to be the artist that like everyone praised for reinventing yes. yourself and staying culturally yes. relevant. That was true for Blizzard once. Mm-hmm. It fucking isn't anymore. No. Like and if they and, and if they if, are working on things, that then are their pacing is atrocious. Right. By the way, yes, yeah. Just by the way, like you know, okay, Riot's got new games. How many of them are just spinoffs of League of Legends? All of them except Valorant. All of well, them. 
Well, okay. So that's where I would have to ask, define spinoff. Well, they're all tied to the League of Legends universe. Correct. Except for Valorant. You mean it like would be Hearthstone? Like, it'd be... I'm talking so, about Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he what he's saying is he's making oh yeah, like, like, Hearthstone, to, like it'd Hearthstone. be like it'd be like it'd be even like here's the storm, yes, which is you're just leaning back on your original franchise. So yep. it's not about being original because if we're talking about original franchises, like fuck, so right, like ten million years to even drop a different game that had nothing to do with League totally. of Legends. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think that I think we can all agree that's not the point, right? I think it's just yeah. about doing more with your existing franchise. So uh, this is where I defend sequels and I defend spinoffs because, I mean. No one's allowed to lambast Blizzard for that and then be like, oh, good on you, right? Like, are you joking? Like, come on. You, you can't, you can't, you have to have the same standard. You have mm-hmm. to follow the same set of rules here, people. Um, I'm not speaking negatively of Riot either. I'm just saying, like, by, by playing to the same rules here, um, I got no issues with throwing out as many sequels as you want and throwing out as many spin-offs yeah. as you want. And we'll continue to argue that Overwatch probably didn't need a sequel. Um, I'll say that there are there are things within Overwatch that were problematic gameplay-wise that a sequel was required to do yes. in order yeah. to fix. Sure. Uh, and I'm not just talking about 5v5. I'm talking about a lot of the game design fundamentals make the game uncompetitive and ultimately make the game not a great experience, even for the casual player, because the casual experience is also potentially unfun when very little of what you do matters in the game. And this is I'm not turning this into... We're not going into an Overwatch 2 discussion about like what the gameplay should be and why it is. Mm-hmm, and I'm just mm-hmm. saying like just giving up some reasons why I think an Overwatch 2 was somewhat needed. Also because they have a lot of big things they want to add in. They're like a full PvE suite, which is if you were to develop that, like the development time, cost, and effort required, that, that is literally its own game in yep. some ways. They're just doing it with the Overwatch franchise. If they did that, they did a whole PvE thing that had nothing to do with Overwatch. You and, and it was the same level of content, it was the same quantity of content. You would say, "Oh, that's a brand new game, right?" Yep. You would say that, hundred percent. But only because it's tied to Overwatch, people are like oh, expansion pack. No, it's the the amount of the amount of shit in it is literally like a new game. Yeah, yeah. If it was called anything other than Overwatch, um, and that's just at the surface level. I would put my bottom dollar on the fact that there were issues with Overwatch One's like infrastructure. So, like, quite literally, the engine that is running the car has problems that they had to fix. So why not repackage it all together with a sequel, right? Like there, there, there's so much here that they have to change and both add that warrants a sequel. Um, and I agree with that. Like also real quick, Joe, people, people saying like, oh, this is typical Activision. They just want to throw out a new Call of Duty sequel and attach another AAA It does feel that way, but it's not. The, the, it is like all but confirmed that Overwatch 2 will be free to play. It is like, I'm like, 99.9% mm. sure it is free to play. I'll put my house on it. I don't have a house, by the way. But what I'm saying is like it is it is so so damn confirmed that it's that it's gonna be free to play. Like Halo is gonna report on that shit tomorrow, you know, or whenever. It's that <laughs> it's that level confirmed. So this is not a case where like, you know, Bobby just wants to wants just wants to shake you down for another AAA title that you have to buy. And that's for some reason a lot of people's assumption and i maybe i don't blame them for that because it seems like that's what it is Mm -hmm. but really they're resetting the monetization a bit by actually following um a a proper games as a service model and uh, i don't know if i talked about this last time or some other time before but i get annoyed when people like oh you know Overwatch one wasn't games of service like are you blind that shit is a hundred percent a games of service game it it definitely is Mm -hmm. a game where 
there it's a game that wasn't meant to have a sequel and yeah, it's a game to service game that you had to pay a price tag for, but you say so was fucking Destiny and Destiny 2 before they went free to play. The thing is that as everyone learns, eventually you gotta go free to play. That's the event, the direction it always has to go into. This all, all kind of ties into the franchise discussion. I'm pretty sure John knows as well as anybody does that you look at any games as a service title out there that relies on microtransactions, which as I've seen, uh something like fifty percent of ABK's full revenue comes from microtransactions uh, i mean the rest probably comes from card releases and all that but there's a they make so much money off microtransactions they've seen the light they've seen the light for a long time mm. and anyone saying like oh well you know blizzard they didn't they didn't do um they didn't want to do overwatch as a as a free-to-play because they're not very experienced in microtransactions like are you serious did you yeah. know that did you know that in 2014 they made something called Hearthstone, which is one of the most financially successful microtransaction based sure. free-to-play games ever released in the entire existence of gaming in the entire world yeah what that inexperienced microtransaction fuck me they're not no no they are not that is a lie um probably the real reason why they didn't make of watch one free-to-play is because of console because mm-hmm. the console market was probably not quite explored as far as free-to-play goes and it's a safer bet to sell a physical copy with a price tag at your GameStop with Overwatch on Xbox and PlayStation. That's probably the real reason why it had a price tag instead of it being free-to-play. But even now, as Epic have proven with Fortnite, fuck that shit, you can just go free-to-play even for consoles. Mm. Um, and everyone's seen the light. So that's, that's I think, the future of that as far as where Overwatch can go and if it can succeed. And I think with a full free-to-play, maybe it can succeed properly. It can. I, I do believe it can. I What I err on the side of caution with is if we ever... You know, like I said, if we will ever get back to like the, the fevered pitch that was Overwatch uh, all those years ago um, within regards to what Riot's doing with Arcane. Yes, there's plenty of opportunities to do that with with Overwatch. Um, don't don't hold your breath for them. Um, I, I guess my big pinned topic would be something around innovation. And I just don't know if Blizzard is the company to be able to do something like that. I think they've at least in my opinion, always been a company that uh, are, are true artists in the sense that they do kind of copy the idea, but somehow improve it in a sense. Um, I haven't seen that in the last five to eight years. I think Overwatch was probably their their latest innovation to the to the space that I do. I, I will throw them a, a T-Rex size bone in that way and say, I don't know that there is any other game that gives you the same experience that Overwatch does both positively and negatively um but yeah that's where that's where i'm kind of at with any kind of wider branching media discussion within the overwatch ip is i don't think it can just be a a well-written netflix show it has to be so innovative that nobody's done it yet right like they have to break new ground if if we're going to get back to overwatch being that massive cultural shift that it once was it has to be something that you can't think of or or somebody somewhere has to think of it's it's a very large task for a company in its position with a game in its position it it requires a miracle is it okay just to do the thing you do well and continue doing that thing well i as far as like cool innovations goes like i guess but you could. I don't think I don't, I don't think you need to invent a new genre. You don't have to. You don't have to. Certainly that's not. not what, that's also not what I'm saying that you're saying. But I'm just saying like yeah, yeah. 
when you when we're talking about the overall scheme of like oh you know they have to invent something new like what does that even mean like yeah. to me to me that to me all i want to see i maybe i maybe my scope is just a little bit lower here all i just want to see is doing the thing that they've done well in the past but like fix it and make it better that's overwatch that's all i really care mm-hmm. about and maybe to the to people that care about it, there's a lot of them a wow as well because they had the mmo th- formula lockdown yeah they were the mmo you know world of warcraft was untouchable they all the supposed wow killers that have ever come out in mm-hmm. the past they were the ones that got killed by wow instead and yep. only now with you know uh world of warcraft getting a bit stale and also the whole uh the lawsuit thing coming through people mm-hmm. have moved away but even the games they moved to um i don't know if um, i mean I'm, i probably shouldn't be speaking because i'm not a huge mmo guy but i don't know if final fantasy and new world really scratch the same itch that wow did at its peak Joe, you, you play MMOs. Maybe you can speak that bit. Um, I think there is definitely, uh, not to get too in the, the weeds with this, but I, I think that for a long time, people were disenfranchised with WoW, but because as we're learning, games are very social. Um, it's not about attracting the person. It's about attracting their friends, if that makes sense. I know that sounds kind of asinine, but um, you want to make such a large game that people are forced to play it who wouldn't normally play it because there's their friend group is doing it right and that that's what that friend group is just going to do um, it as well and yeah i of- think it's just gaming in general is is yeah. you want this to be the platform that you can spend a weekend with your buddies or a weekend at a friend's place or you know just a week you know a, a free meeting that you have Although- you know you want to have fun mmos are pretty hardcore it's, it's de- mmo is definitely not a, like hey come over and play world of warcraft 100 no, percent. it's a pretty it, hardcore title it is it is 100 not in the same vein as something like a mario kart right but they they, they share the social aspect in different ways that yeah. we're really not going to get into anyway, um, but- yes but but to the mmo point there is an itch being scratched elsewhere and again, we have to circle back to Riot. A lot of people are just super excited to see what they do because they seem to be oh, yeah. hitting they're every mark well. and they're doing one as well with some they're of the old WoW leadership. Well, right? yes, so there exactly. it is. And I'm pretty sure it'll be a League of Legends MMO, by the way, but... Uh, I mean, so how can it, it not? But, you know, uh, it's... <laughs> um, with with in that, regards to the innovation, really fast, when you yeah. when we constantly look over our, our little fence that we have in, in ABK and we look at what Riot's doing, that's when I when we get to the grass is greener discussion, that's when I go, okay, if we want that, then we really have to think outside of the box. We can go a completely different route and say, yeah, we can just make some shorts. Maybe we have some comics. Maybe we have, you know, a cute little We've done that. 100%, but they can just keep making them better and doing them more frequently and continuing that, like with what you're saying, right? They can just stay within their little lane and keep, you know, doing their thing and it's going to be great. But to grow to such highs as something like an arcane, as something like a League of Legends, that's when I say, okay, give me a vision, give me something, give me, a, a, funnily enough, Star Wars visions. You know, go so creative and balls to the wall that you're getting anime involved. You're getting some sort of topical cultural reference involved that, like, you can't help but actively look at this and say, yeah. wow, that's that's so, that's an impressive feat. I agree. So. 20 minutes later, my response to Yeska's original thing is basically that I think all the, the sort of this kind of like innovation and the pioneering that needs to be done 
it's actually not that much because again personally for me i'm not expecting for them to turn the gaming industry upside down because i don't think anyone has and we could we could argue that battle royales kind of did that in the past Mm -hmm. but even that phase is starting to you know trickle off a little bit uh all i'm expecting is like i just want for them to develop their franchise similar to what other franchises have done and i i said pokemon you brought up star wars which is actually a pretty big one because uh, they went from movies first and then they went into games and they just yep. had a million games some of them were pretty bad but some some oh, were yeah. really good um then they had all the spinoffs there and i and i think you know that's all i'm expecting and that's not reinventing the wheel no. i don't think it's big like oh man there's some big innovation out there that no one knows about. i can't even think about it it's just crazy but they need to reinvent the wheel here i'm like well actually no they don't they just have to do the things they've already been doing well do them better and do some other things following the blueprint that's been written by the other successful franchises that exist in the world. I don't think League of Legends or Riot are really reinventing the world either. They're releasing a show and doing more games like that. They're just following the path laid out by others before them. It's really not that hard. Um, maybe I'm generalizing simpler, some, um, simplifying it in a way, but to mm. me, I, I'm the biggest proponent of stick to what works, and it, it will forever bother me when I see anybody and anything try and reinvent the wheel when the original wheel fucking works brilliantly why yeah. the fuck are we reinventing the wheel yeah it it's less and and hopefully uh my messaging was was clear feels aggressive but like what what i'm saying is that they don't need to reinvent the wheel but to how to put this um what i think riot's done really well is that they've established the power of a universe almost to a Marvel-esque degree. Um, and I think that if Blizzard wants to do that, they certainly can. Um, oh, I knew we were going to, I knew this was going to get messy. I need to just do like a solo video on this. It's, it's, it's a really interesting topic that I have a lot of thoughts okay. on and that I do want to talk about. Give me the 30 so second sorry. version or, or just, or, or we can just move on. It's fine. We'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, just moving on anyway. Yeah, just move on. I'm I'm scatterbrained okay. as it is with it. There you go. Joe has a has a very long, well thought out, big definitely not thingy my bobby that uh <laughs> he'll talk about <laughs> some point in the future in his own time, maybe. I guess. Maybe. Uh maybe maybe get me on and we'll have a three hour debate on on the whole thing. Sure. Um where mm-hmm. we probably get a bit messy in the middle, but then ultimately come to agree with each other at the end anyway. So um that's how those things work. Okay, finally, we're going to move on. Um, we haven't talked about any teams yet. I told you guys, there's going to be a lot of big stuff mm. to talk about before we get any into roster moves, because I think the roster moves are, are, are kind of a small discussion compared to what everything else has happened. But besides J-Specs moving up through a new position, mm. you've also actually got um, Mr. X getting... Did he get promoted? I believe he's got. he's definitely got some more responsibility in his role. Um, so I guess it's a promotion. I don't know what his new title is. Maybe I'll do a quick re- bit of research on that um, while you guys speak in a second. But you also then have Sean Miller coming in as the quote-unquote new... Um, Head of leagues, was it? Yeah, I was going to say commissioner, but it's not It's not commissioner. They don't call it commissioner anymore. And in a way, I'm kind of glad they're moving away from the title. That's a separate discussion. What is he... He is going to be... I'm trying to look at the announcement. No, we can rename uh, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher it? all we want, but it's just the same. Head of leagues, right? He's kind of, like, he's kind of like the VP. He's now the head of yeah. is, is the director of leagues, something like that. Something. Uh, yeah. So the official report says 
from the Overwatch League uh, Twitter. Big news today from the Overwatch League team. We're excited to welcome Sean Miller back as he rejoins a team preparing for an exciting 2022 season. Sean brings a passion for the league and the franchise and is ready to lead the team as we prog- as we press go on a season that will run entirely on an early build of Overwatch 2's new PvP competitive mode. We're also thrilled to announce that Matt Morello will be taking an expanded role within our community, further engaging with fans and viewers. To Matt's own wording, he basically says that he's doing a lot of what he has done but in a more open way where he engages with the community about it. Uh, and perhaps there's other, maybe there's other responsibilities in there as well, but it's, uh, I guess it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a move up. Uh, I don't think he has a new title, or at least I'm not aware of it. Um, Sean directly replaces Jay Speck's former role. Uh, I personally don't know a lot about Sean, but from what I've heard, he was obviously already a part of the Overwatch League originally, because that's why mm. it says welcome, they welcome him back. He was there working alongside John at one point, and some of the other Overwatch League talent I've spoken to had actually worked with Sean briefly before Sean departed. And um, they have pretty good things to say about him. So, you know, that gives me some confidence that Sean will be a good move for the league and someone who can perhaps adequately uh, fill John's extremely large shoes. Yeah, good things. are good to hear, I guess, because there was definitely a uh, question mark kind of that peaked my brow when I saw uh, was Sean Miller, you know, come in. I'm like, who? Who is this? I didn't realize that you even worked here. So hearing that definitely gives me uh, a vote of confidence. Um, I'm, funnily enough, more interested in what Mr. X's kind of uh, new position or uh, additional responsibilities, maybe is the right term, uh, will be. Hopefully that's more communication. I don't know how many times maybe somebody can clip together a, a a clean feed of how many times we've talked about communication from both the league and from Blizzard to the the public, but uh, hopefully that's what he can do. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean theoretically speaking, like just like looking at the trajectory of what the league has taken and like. So I guess there's also uh, Hex that's in the background. Like, mm-hmm. there's not much reason to believe that, you know, anything is going in a different direction than it was previously. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely not a downswing, sure. Pretty neutral and on these. I think John's input will still be there as the oh. commercial lead. Overwatch League is a big part of the commercial product of the franchise, so I'm sure John's input and his influence will definitely still be within the Overwatch League, which I'm that is very important to me because I think mm-hmm. John's leadership and his direction of the Overwatch League was really good during his time as the head. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, we'll see. I think overall yeah, I, I wonder if we will notice and like what it might mean, but uh, yeah, generally speaking, like given that the direction of the Overwatch League in terms of format, in terms of like broadcast um prioritization of the, uh, different aspects and whatnot like it just seems like a good choice mm-hmm. the real task ahead that i'm sure john is currently tackling and sean eventually will be needing to tackle as well as the direction of overwatch league after 2022 i don't know if that's like too big of a topic to talk about or even maybe it's fruitless to even try and speculate on it because so much could change and so much could still happen. There's so much we don't know about. But I think if you are going to be the head of the Overwatch League and you're going to be thinking about anything in, in regards to Overwatch League, the primary question that needs to be answered 
is how does the Overwatch League proceed 2023 and beyond? Because 2022, we all know, cool, playing Overwatch 2, yeah. whatever build, I don't want to call it a beta, but it's on some build. Um, extremely unlikely the game is going to be available while the Overwatch League is playing on this build, which causes a lot of problems, but that is another question that's a side question that will need to be answered. Uh, if you are coming in as the new head of Overwatch League, which I believe is his actual title, or at least that's the one he he puts on his Twitter profile that he he uses, so we'll use that as well, Sean. Um, you you have to be thinking and building for the future. I think it's very unlikely and potentially even short sighted if you're someone that comes in for one year of out and then you're gone. Like oh, I'm just here for the 2022 season, and then well, if there's no 2023 season, I guess I'm out. Like that's that seems pretty silly to me, right? So I also think if you someone like John's moving into a commercial lead position, the Overwatch esports space has to be, in, especially as someone that was kind of pretty much in charge of that as, as the previous VP of Overwatch esports, um, that's got to be the, the number one thing, right at the head, right at the front. And I'm sure all the owners and the franchises involved, that's a big question for them as well. They wanted, they, the, the future of the Overwatch League in 2023 and beyond is a big one that needs to be answered for for the existence of, of the league and everything. I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, it is a big topic. It's, <laughs> it, that's a, that's a pretty scary one. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, because we don't know, we have no idea what happens. We know that we're getting a season, uh, coming soon. Uh, we know where and how it'll be played. Like you said, but past that, the future of Overwatch as a game is very unclear because we just don't have a game yet. So it's we know it's coming. Yes, we know it's coming. But what that means for the future of our yeah. little uh, small fraction of the pie is is kind of left to be determined. Let's I put don't it think it's there. bad. There's no but... way. There's no way Overwatch Two comes out 2024, right? Or am I am I really nah. scratching the poor right now? <laughs> yeah, am I, I really scratching the poor. Let me let me debug something real quick because there's, there's some there's been some people out there and you know I get it it's it's fun to be a doomer uh, and I <laughs> and I doom only within good context uh, mm -hmm. and I'm currently not dooming but what I'm trying to say is there are people that are like oh is Overwatch two just completely dead does that mean they're going to cancel Overwatch two is there a world I've seen this question pop up is there a world where Overwatch two doesn't get released and I think that is a firm no from me right it has to be that it's, yeah. it's got to be a firm no because. They have simply, they being Activision Blizzard, ABK here, they've simply put too much time, too much resources. They've spent too much working on this thing. It's been too public as well. Yeah. It's very fucking public. Usually when you want to cancel a game, uh, it's not a big thing in terms of it's not, it's, 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 it's maybe it's a smaller project. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like a mobile port. And you're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, we're going to cancel it. Or, or it's a very private thing. You haven't made big white sweeping public announcements and you're yeah. doing a pvp reveal stream and you're doing this overwatch league thing as well that's been confirmed with the cn they are i would say now legally obligated to provide for the overwatch league none of this is happening if you're going to cancel the game uh and so people let's not doom that how the game is not going to get canceled it will be made abk need this game they need this game and they need diablo 4 these are two other titles they desperately need to put out there because it's really the only big things at least that we are aware of that are announced that are on the horizon so forget about the mobile titles for now they need these big heavy hitters to be out there i want to say as soon as possible but really as soon as it's done is is more blizz's way mm. um so no it can't be canceled it's not going to be canceled so we I, I've, I've full faith that overwatch 2 will come out eventually maybe yeah. that's 2023 hopefully it's 2023 hopefully it's earlier 
Um, what it means for the Overwatch League is, okay, we know that Overwatch League this year is getting played on a build, and they're probably 2023 it gets played on the actual Overwatch 2 client. The reason why I'm, and I'm going to make this clear, I'm not dooming the Overwatch League, even though I just made it sound like, oh my god, is Zavril saying there won't be an Overwatch League in 2023? All I'm saying is, the YouTube deal ends at the end of next season. There's a three-year YouTube deal, it's gone. What does that mean? Does that, do they need to get a new deal? Do they have to go go back to Twitch? What, what is that? There's a whole bunch of questions there. Um, there's some franchising stuff in the ether, you know, in regards to the end of 2022 as well. There's there's a bunch of things that potentially end in 2022. Yep. A bunch of contracts end in 2022 um, for other people involved. So it's like, it's the end of next year is going to usher in a pretty big change yep. for the future of the Overwatch League in 2023. I still think, you know, I, I got I to gotta have faith in John and Sean that they want to deliver an Overwatch League in 2023 and beyond. I just don't know what that looks like. I just don't know what that is oh, anymore. For sure. Yeah, definitely yeah. expect change, for let, sure. Let, let's be honest. The problem of that job is they are not the makers of their own fate. It is virtually impossible for them to produce a product that by itself has sustained growth potential of the order of magnitude that we needed to grow, right? Like, it is down to the game and its environment that this esport exists in. And whatever you do, as disempowering as that realization it is, I mean, I'm not saying you won't have impact based on the work you do on your viewership. We saw growth this year. I mean, to be fair, I, I expect a lot of it is VOD viewers or, like, um, on-course stream viewers. But, like, it is inherently tight. And the first, most, like, by orders of magnitude, most important aspect is that we get a game and that the game is a good one. And then... Many, many, many orders of magnitude lower is is the Overwatch League a good product in order to uh, increase the viewership of this. Big agree. I mean, the health the health of the esport. This is a very true thing. The health of the esport can only be as good as the health of the game. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's one hundred percent. Those two things are innately tied. You know, though that that's there's tied by an umbilical cord right there, and Overwatch League is the baby. And I've watched other. So I mean, you're looking at a thing where yeah, the game has to be in a really, really good state to see the esport do well. And I also think like yeah, as as far as the viewership goes, um, contextually, an increase in viewership is good. Um, just looking at the fact that they're not on Twitch. So this is some like hard copium in a way, but it's also kind of true. It's that when you're only on YouTube, I mean, what else are you expecting? You're not expecting. Yeah a shitload of viewers. You're expecting whoever the hell's there on YouTube to be watching or like the really hardcore viewers to be watching on YouTube. We all know that this just discoverability is bad enough on YouTube that you're not getting casual people scrolling through YouTube like, oh, what's this? Oh, watch League. I might tune in. That's not happening. Um, you'll get that on Twitch. You're not going to get that on YouTube. So, Is that like a point of confidence in that way? Where to, to your, your guys' point, obviously, and I agree that the health of the game is directly tied to the health of the esport. Um, I would definitely say that the health of Overwatch is probably never seen darker days 
Um, and yet we still have kind of a, a, a solid base, let's say. I don't know if growth is the term I would use, but we have a solid continual base of people that we can retain and see marginal growth with, right? Is that like a vote of conference, you guys going into a new title that undoubtedly will give it a shot in the arm um, as a as an intellectual property? But is is that maybe a point of a silver lining, if you will? What is the silver lining? Sorry, let me just condense, summarize that, you. So to, to look at the idea that the game the health of uh, of a game can only is only correlated to the health of the esport, right? The fact that Overwatch oh. is in it, the state that it's in, no content, probably a very low player base if I had to guess. Um, yep. But the esports itself, that that platform, we do have a solid base of consistent retained viewership. That you know, from at least the public numbers, things seemingly are increasing. Is that a silver lining oh, okay. going into a yeah, new game? Well when you're when you've hit um i don't think we're at rock bottom but you know we'll sure be hyperbolic we can say rock bottom when you've hit as low as overwatch has been which is the zero content lowest low viewership and a lot of that is attributed to youtube and it's just the truth um i i guess you can only go up right surely you can only go up that's some heavy hope and i'm i'm huffing but uh assuming with overwatch 2 coming out uh, i don't know about 2022 being the best season but i can see 2023 yeah. being the real big turnaround season mm. overwatch 2 is fully released well, maybe we're not exclusive on youtube anymore maybe we can be like riot and have our esport on both youtube and twitch at the same time that would be the best you mm. truly maximize viewership at that stage uh COVID is much more gone than it is now at least far better managed to the point where like you can 100 percent do your entire league and your tiny esport on land by 2023 i'm envisioning that as like the true comeback of the esport uh and next year is going to be like a big survival year and a big like big just you know buckle up kind of year um uh, even more so than this year that's my my pure speculation on it um because i would also like to say that you know with the added marketing dollars from overwatch 2's released like shit, man, plug that into your watch league. Like, we got we can we can have a pretty big league in 2023 if it's been revived properly. That's why, like, you know, 15, 10, 20 minutes ago, it sounded like I was pretty down on like yeah. the existence of the Overwatch League in 2023. Well, that is one alternate well, one pathway in the future that we can take in the infinite possibilities. The other main pathway I'm seeing seeing is the direct opposite of that, where you have this huge resurgence with the game being released and all this big push and everything is uh everything is good from that regard and you know that's the that's the future that i have to believe can and will exist otherwise this whole thing is pointless right 100 percent. i i do think there is a lot of positives coming like you're saying um but let's not um be naive i think there's probably uh we're due for a market correction that i think esports in general is seeing um, and again, I wouldn't be shocked if we go into the 2023 season. So not the up, most upcoming season, but the season after the, the the first like initial launch season with Overwatch 2, uh, if the league itself hadn't changed significantly. What that means, I don't know, but I, I would guess there would be some some large scale changes to huh. either the format or other tertiary aspects um, that might actually be a step backwards to move forwards uh, in a more healthy uh, perspective. So there are positives. 
but some of that is going to come with uh some some medicine with our dose of sugar i guess sugar i don't you, you add medicine to sugar what? to make it go down easier oh right okay um any final thoughts jessica before we get into actual watch league no. current <laughs> watch league stuff yeah no I I, I didn't think it was too big of a news uh, in the first place. I'm not sure how how much realistic it's going to change based on that, but we'll see. Yisuke mm. doesn't even know what Overwatch 2 is, so it's whatever. Yeah. He hasn't seen Bastion's hat. Um, okay. Finally, going to talk about rosters. So, I'm only going to be talking about two of them, because we still have one more thing to talk about after this, mm. and we might still be able to fit everything in to a pretty tidy episode that's not going to be a full three-hour marathon uh we uh start with rain why don't we mm, uh, sure. you will start with a team whose name starts with a in it alphabetical order and all that plan to rain have now confirmed their entire roster and their coaching stuff yes you also spoke to danny who got a promotion from analyst to assistant coach in a way he's replacing legit rc who's moved from assistant coach to team management manager, within the team yeah, and Sefi is still there. They haven't hired any new coaches to go over their existing roster now. It is Kai, Nero, Venom, Gator, Hawk, Ultraviolet, and OG. Pretty tight roster. Seven people. I don't think they need more. I think seven's a pretty good number for a five v five game. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of covered all the bases that they need to, in my opinion. And I'm liking all the mm-hmm. names I see on here. I I I I can't find any fault on this roster. I think some people may be potentially down on it because like oh. You lost Pelican, and you lost Iris, and this and that. But I mean, right, Kai Nero Venom, pretty damn good. Gator mm-hmm. Hulk, proven OG Ultraviolet. The more I see, and the more I hear about them, the the more excited I am to see them join the league. Yep, definitely the the support duo uh, coming out of this year's graduating class. Um, Yiska, I feel like we're probably going to debate on this uh, regarding the. The number of players, it seemed like you were interested in pushing back against that. I mean, I feel like the the double flex support solution, I'm not sure if I would put uh, OG down to that. I asked that specifically to... Um, to Danny? To Danny, yes. And um, he said, like, OG's mechanics are great and he shouldn't be too worried about that. Mm. I, I gotta see it first, right? Um, I think of a course. lot of a lot of teams have even speculated if you even need a main support coming into the next game, and I mean speculation hearsay. We'll, we'll we'll see how it develops, but yeah, I think that's the one hole where you could say, mm. Ugh, maybe maybe you need one more there. Um, For sure, but yeah. Do you feel like there's no possible way that they could supplement that if need be? With like what? Either a thirty day or just a mid season sure, signing. Sure. I, I mean, mean they're they're a fully NA team operating in NA. There's definitely is it going to be the the cream of the crop best talent available? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah I, I in general I think that this team is in a, a very unique position because of the way that the team is run. And I think that's credit to Sefi in some way. Um this is a very stylistic team and mm-hmm. With the pieces that they do have, 
you don't need a ton of coaching because this is a very kind of loose uh, I don't think it's wrong to call them a player driven team. I think that the players do have a sizable voice from everything that's come out publicly about this team. Um, they are incredibly stylistic and I don't doubt that they will kind of be counter meta in not the, the way that you are countering the meta, but they will operate on their own Avenue. They're going to find what mm-hmm. works for them. And if that is flex supports, then that's great. They're going to assign another flex support, but if it's not, they will probably have a look that is so different that people are going to try to have to answer them. Um, is that going to be, you know, title winning? It's hard to say, but I think everything that I've seen from like Sefi's vision thus far within the Overwatch League, I think uh, I have a, a strong vote of confidence in. I think this team fulfills the same role that they fulfilled this year in 2021 next year. Yep. Which is that you don't expect this team to win the Overwatch League. You probably don't even expect them to win a title as far as stages goes, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they upset some teams and, and just snuck a title in there or got close, make some finals and get close to sneaking a title in there. Upset teams like the Gladiators, the Dallases of the world again, they have that capability. When I look at the quality of this roster uh, on face value, I'm obviously looking at it through a 6v6 lens because mm-hmm. I have no idea what the 5v5 game is going to be. No one does. So from that lens, I, I think it's a repeat of this year. And if you're doing a repeat of this year, that's not bad. That's a pretty good year. Not bad at all. Second overall, low expectations that people had, and you far exceed your expectations. Pretty good fucking year. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think that's the repeat that we get. And I also think that, um, once again, the wider public will underrate this roster heavily, as they should, because, yeah. you know, they... There's some big hitters out there. Yeah, yeah. Other teams have got massive, massive star players. And yeah. I'm not saying this team doesn't have star players, but the old uh, zero role star team kind of rears its head around again. They they are like fundamentally based on their identity, the the punch above their weight team with zero role stars beating teams with full role stars kind of team. And also personality wise, I still think they keep that intact because even the new players, in fact, they probably lean heavy into it. They have more English speaking players that can shit talk now. Uh, especially on the back line with OG Ultraviolet. Uh, I'm sure Nero is going to get it into that as well. The As far as talking to the roster size here, I even think they should have started with just six and not have gone in Venom yet. I think a lot Good. of teams who are making... If you're a team getting eight or more plays right now, I think you have too many. I think you've made too many assumptions. And you've, you've taken a lot of risks on a team, on a game that you don't really know enough about that you haven't seen. Um, and your roster is too big because... It's smarter, in my opinion, is to, to build rosters around, get the key pieces you need. For example, if you're Atlanta here, you get OG Ultraviolet, you lock them in because you know they're good. You also don't want your opposition getting them. So you get them first, you lock that in, and then everything else, hold off on. And I'll be, I don't know how many other people go for Venom in the offseason. I don't know how many. Clearly, no one was going for Venom for the 2021 season. Otherwise, he would have been signed. So if you want to be super tactical, you could have waited on Venom. You could have waited until you get the build, see what the game is like, mm. and then get Venom afterwards, or get anybody else afterwards that you need. Leave some roster space somewhere, because we've heard from plenty of GMs that the way you they build rosters is they don't spend, or at least you shouldn't, spend your entire roster budget straight away, boom, gone. You need to save a little bit of that for a mid-season signing, whether that be a 30-day contract or more. You need to save some money for that. So teams going for these gigantic eight plus rosters right now, 
that to me is a mistake unless you truly believe every single one of those eight plays or more is vital to your team. If they're not vital, why are they there? Because you're building for a 5v5 team in a game that you don't know anything about yet, you have barely seen, you've definitely not played. Um, be be a little more cautious. I, I like Atlanta's approach a lot. And I think they could have been even more cautious if they wanted. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I think initially when we looked at Overwatch 2, I was definitely in the camp of like a sizable but flexible roster. But now as we get into it, I'm much more leaning um, in your direction ever where midseason moves are going to play a, a large role in the success of your team. Um, and they're going to have to be very agile. And I don't know that spending, like you said, spending all the money up front is wise. It might not be wrong. It may be very successful in the long run. But is it the best EV solution? You know, probably not. Yeah. Um. I yeah, I agree that this is once again like a roster that is is probably prone to underrating. Um also sort of excited to see if this roster sort of like revamps the career of Nero or perception around him. Uh I don't think he had a bad season last year. Probably one of the better players on San Francisco mm -hmm. Shock. Mm-hmm. Um We'll see how this transitions in. I think the a thing that I'm more curious on is the two coaches. That is something where I'm interested in. Because, like, yes, you're now putting a lot of um, resources into players practically coaching themselves. Um, mm -hmm. My understanding is that uh, Danny is strong, pretty, pretty strong strategically. Like, in effect... We can pretty much like pound for pound see what the subtraction of one under means, right? With a sure. relatively. Wait, is that fair to say? Is that an, a roster that is as strong as last season's? I'm not sure if you, they have accurately. Uh, I uh, mean, it's tough when you lose Pelican, but yeah. I don't know that they're significantly worse. You're only looking at it from a six v six period because we can't look at it from any sure, other yeah. period. It's yeah. like it's impossible because I don't yeah. know, I don't know who's going to be good in five v five. We can we will assume Pelican will continue being good, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like it, these people can be heavily hit or miss. Hero pools can be massively sh shaken up. Like, are, are there new heroes in uh, Overwatch League next year introduced? Are we playing the same hero roster? Like, is there going to be Sojourn? Is it not going to be Sojourn? How many heroes have reworks? How many don't? Like your ability to play those heroes and your own hero pools get massively shaken up due to those factors. If there's like yeah. eight new heroes dropping, what do hero pools look like? You're yeah. gonna have some huge holes in there. Pelican, uh, maybe he's not the best example, but like, I don't know, somebody else, another player, they might have had a decent hero pool for 6v6 and then the hero pool for 5v5 is garbage because expectations changed. Mm -hmm. uh, and the players that are most prone to being affected by that will be in the tank line, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. So it's so hard to say. We looking at it from a 6v6 POV, is this roster better than their former roster? Let's see. Uh I thought Master was one of the best support players last year. That's that's definitely my opinion. Sure. I hold quite highly. Um Iris was really good. I think Very a lot strong. of people typecast him into the BAP, but because Rain played so much Rhein comps, he just basically mm -hmm. only played BAP. So I don't think he is like a BAP one trick, but that's all they required of him to play. 
Um, but I was also pretty impressed with Iris last year. Pelican is Pelican, phenomenal player. Um, Edison wasn't super good last, well, I say last this year, uh, but also I think he got overshined, outshined by Pelican yeah. a lot, and he kind of got benched for most of the season in favor of their heavy hitters and Kai and Pelican. So on paper, I probably have I probably have the 2021 roster instead of this for a six week six game, but that's mostly down to the fact that I have personally not seen enough of Ultraviolet and OG. Mm. Um, Nero mm. is good. I don't think better than Pelican. Venom. All I know is he's predominantly a tracer one trick who played in a contenders. Is I don't know much about him beyond that. Okay. So yeah, and Gator Hawk is Gator Hawk who 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 are reliable in in a six v six six v six fashion. So I yeah, if you're gonna point a gun to my head, I say twenty twenty is one this year's roster was better than yeah. than the roster I'm looking at, but I, that doesn't mean I think they'll do poorly. Mm, agreed. I mean again, it's hard to it's hard to beat some of those names, right? Um to Yeske's point with the two coaches, I think this team, if it was literally any other team, I'd be, I'd share that concern, but I'm really not that worried if, if Danny is worth his weight. And I think he is probably the unsung hero of this team. Um, not to Hunter's, you know, discredit by any means. Um, but I think this team's going to be fine. I think they're going yep. to punch well above their weight. I don't know if silver is in their, uh, their future again but i think this is going to be one of those teams that surprises a lot of people um and unseats some of the the big uh spending yep. teams let's say cool that's going to be atlanta rain basically i think we all unanimously agree there'll be a is if, if we're going to ask the question are they top 10 or bottom 10 they are comfortably top 10 he's oh, yeah. in my book yeah so atlanta rain lock me in top 10 team uh contender for Potential titles, but not expected to win them, at least mm. based on what we're saying. To a team now that <laughs> I don't know if I would have in my top 10. Oh, I'm uh, so they, scared. They have, or they've been, they have been a team that have been in a bit of a mess for the entire year. Uh, and we'll discuss what that looks like now <laughs> moving forward. Hong Joe Spark have very recently announced, like they had a huge wave of announcements from staff to players, yeah. everything. Now, I think we've got some opinions about the staff members, but we'll start with the players first, mm. as this is probably the the silver lining of the team, because I am so big on Pineapple Alpha Yi. Like, hot damn, they were so good on Billy Billy, especially Alpha Yi, who's such an underrated player that other teams didn't give him a chance. He's actually all the players are like, this guy's veteran mm -hmm. as fuck, but he's never got a chance at Overwatch League, because you always got overlooked for somebody else, but he's just had his best year ever in his competitive career in Overwatch. And he legitimately looks so damn good as a DPS and competing for time against Architect. Like right now, based on what I saw from Architect and what I, based, what I, saw, what I saw from Alpha Yi this year, I'll take Alpha Yi starting over Architect any day of the week. But things will obviously change as we move into 5v5. My only concern here is they have four DPSs. Like four DPSs? Yeah. You're playing 5v5. Just think about the numbers here again. Four DPSs, five e five. Math doesn't add up. Yeah. It... <laughs> there, there is a sentiment that I will share once we get through the remaining staff member changes. Um, but yes, I share a lot of your your sentiments, Avril. I think pa Pineapple. Um, I think he entered as I was leaving. 
the Chinese scene and looked very, very good. Alpha Yi, been following him for the most part uh, off and on since his time in Contenders Korea, is a stud. I think he deserved a spot on literally any team that that needs a DPS. Um, and again, the Spark have an embarrassment of riches. They have some amazing talent. We will see what happens. Okay. Bro. It's hard to shake the feeling that even the starting DPS players aren't wasted on this roster. Let alone whoever sits on that bench. Yeah. It does feel that way. Oh. It's, it's disapp- it's, it's, it sucks because you want to be excited for them. You want to be like, wow, dude, Alpha Yi, you know, it's definitely a rookie to look out for. Like, watch out. Like, and we said that about Shy, and Shy definitely was that person, right? 100%. We should have been on people's radars going into the season. Wasn't. Look where he ended it up. Oh, um, bro. Alpha Yi should okay. be on a ballot somewhere for rookie of the year. Probably will not win, but it, it feels worse that he's on the spark. If I have to be completely honest, this is because we have low faith in the Spark organization yeah. slash staff slash team more so than the the players. Oh. Let's round out mm-hmm. the players, by the way, real quick. Gushray is still here. Bernard is still here. Yep. Liga, as far as we know, is still here. I think. I, uh, I think he is. Uh, and they have Irony, who is rumored. And Irony, for those that don't know, was the Billy Billy. Um, was he a flex support? Why am I forgetting? Uh, this is embarrassing. Um, the other person was Hyunjae, but Hyunjae has just put out an LFT, which says to me he has not been promoted to the, the main roster. So they are still on a lookout for... I'm going to confirm it right now so I can... I believe Hyunjae was a main support because I remember his Lucio being strong. Strong nope. So Irony is the flex support and Hyunjae is the main support. So this kind of ties into the other thing where Spark don't even believe that main support is valuable. So, like, Spark and every team just don't believe main support is valuable, which, mm. I don't know, I, I, I'm partially in agreement with, but jury's out when we actually get to see what Overwatch 2 looks like. Um, so, to be honest, if they really want Hyunjae, he's still going to be there. What I see from this, by leaving Hyunjae out, mm. it's not that Spark don't want him, it's that Spark don't need, they're not under pressure to hire a main support and sign someone right now. Once they see the game, they're doing what I said about the Atlanta Rain earlier, which is the smart thing to do is to hold off on signings. Just get the pieces you really, really need, and then everyone else, get them when required. Mm-hmm. It may be very well possible that Spark will eventually get a main support, and that when they do, it will be Hyunjae. Just because they don't get him now doesn't mean they're never going to get him. Doesn't mean like, oh, no, we don't think he's good enough to promote. What they probably think from my POV is they just like they're just thinking, well, we don't know about we don't know enough about what main support's role in Overwatch 2 is to justify the signing now, which is smart. Yeah. It's not that the, the organization is devoid of doing intelligent things. Like they've scouted a lot of these players, they've brought on people that have at least some experience. Like they they have noggins, like they have brains in those skulls. It's just every time we're excited about this team, it just ends up in disappointment. I think since their franchise debut in 2019, I think it would have been. Um, this has been a very disappointing team. Um, and I looked at last year's squad and I said this would be a crying shame if they failed. 
lo and behold, the Doomers were right. They failed. Um, I just realized something. It's 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 a tragedy, and I hope I hope I'm wrong. I am. I hope to God I am wrong, and we can see Alfie, Shy, Architect, all Gusha. Like this, his team is good. And it's I think Architect. I think Architect might play support. Real talk. <laughs> Um, yeah i I mean dead serious i don't hate it i think he might i think he might be the flex support on this team next ironing for double flex maybe i'm sure i'm real i'm real shitting this right now i don't Uh, hate it if it's like for double flex i think it's a great choice i think he has not only a track record of success has shown that he is quite good at it i would hate it if he was the starting flex he won't be i think alpha you superior right now I think um, Shy and Pineapple could trade time depending on air pulls. Yep. But Shy to me has been the superior play. Shy, here's, here's my scale or rating for what I deem to be like good in terms of a player. I was going to say DPS, but let's just say player. Um, the level of holy shit plays you can make mm-hmm. and the consistency of what you can make them. And I've seen way too many moments of holy shit from Shy yeah. compared to like literally anybody else. Yeah. Uh, well, can anybody else on his team will say yes, exactly. Uh, I was gonna. Well, I mean, when you look at the whole league, I mean, there's more players than just shy, but on, on his team, mm. he's the only player that gives me those massive holy shit moments, and no one else has been able to do that. I am still just scratching my head at the tank line because I don't know what the hell three tanks are doing on a on a team that you only need one for. Uh, well, yeah, maybe two if you want flexibility, but three is overkill. Yeah. And they could have probably have gotten rid of Burner and just kept Liga and Gushrei. But I don't know. I think we talked about this last time we talked about Spark, but like they literally exercised Bernard's option. Yeah. They they had the choice to not do so, and they literally chose to exercise the option. Like, what is that about? They have some hardcore faith in this team. <laughs> this is probably by the way, this is I think this happened before the new coaches got signed. Yes. Maybe. So Well, that's what it feels even, like. I shouldn't. Not say even for like sure. Changun comes in and is like, oh no, we gotta keep Burner. Yeah. Like he says about gesture. And it's not even that. They all exercise this option well before that happens. So, who knows? It's it certainly feels that way, right? Like, I this team is very very strange. Um, the one thing that I I feel like you maybe can say um or spin is that you know it's at least somebody has some faith in the league that they're spending all this money on having such a obscenely large roster as we're looking at a game that has one less active player per team um i guess that's a a a minor silver lining that they're just giving everybody bags at least paying some people right more chances hey go to the spark a lot of bench players this team is going to have a shitload of bench players yep i feel like like when i was talking about teams making mistakes by by signing humongous rosters like i was subtweeting the hangzhou spark while i was talking about the atlanta rain Uh, they've already had eight they've already got eight players on the team with irony being rumored but mm-hmm. heavily implied to be joining like i think he's there they have eight players and they don't even have another so that's including only one support and even if arctic plays support you still have three tanks on this team like what the fuck yeah. um so kind of feels so like chung, chung do-esque in a way like so many oh, chung do's a different story because well chung do sign everybody on two-year contracts <laughs> That's why Tara Cookie's still there, because the guy, the guy is on a two plus I don't know what. So I don't know what Luke's doing there, but like Chengdu is a different story just because they've signed everybody and like, hey, do you guys want to play for us for a million years? Let's do it. 
Um, <laughs> the only player that like like really needs a bag and a long contract there is probably Leave, but the rest of them, I don't know. Uh, it's not about Chengdu though. We're talking about Hangzhou right now. Where let's go towards the coaching stuff. So I'll just read them out and then you guys can react to it. And I'm, just, I'm sure you already know who I'm about to say. But Chengdu has been announced as the new head coach of Spark. Previously rumored, now confirmed. Previously of the Soul Dynasty as well, and also London Spitfire way back when. Speaking of Soul Dynasty, Miro is coming back to the Overwatch League as an assistant coach now next to Xiaogui, who is um, previously both a caster in the Chinese language Overwatch League broadcast, and also then more recently than that, the I think he was supervisor for the team, whatever that means. I don't know what that title really means. Uh, a new person has moved into that role with Xiaogui moving out, and that person is called Anu. I don't really know anything about their new team manager is called Gandalf. So, you know, herding the hobbits around and getting them over to Isengard and wherever uh, with only wish and double sigh being released from the team. And obviously they had already lost a myriad of coaches in this 2021 season. So they've the coaching side of spark has always been the biggest mystery because 2021 was a shit show for spark coaching. And we look at this yeah. spark staff roster. Now, obviously Changun is the big one to talk about, but do you guys have any thoughts generally? Uh, thoughts in general. Um, I hope they have a vision. I hope they. It's Changun in general. I he's bringing always... Jester along. Jester's coming to the team. <laughs> I've I've always been a defender of him for the most part because he has seen so much success um, throughout his history, working with GC Busan, going into London. Obviously, mixed bag with uh, Soul, but in general has been somebody that does warrant some some degree of success right like you you have to give him something um based on just the results that he's been able to give you over uh, like a, a sizable amount of time we're going back to 2017 here mm -hmm. um yes are there some familiar faces that he's worked with that you maybe you can point to and say hey well maybe it's this player you know doing a lot of the heavy lifting maybe not in terms of coaching but it's just such a uh an outstanding player, let's say. Um, I think I, I don't hate that argument, but I think there's that's that can't just be binary, right? It can't just be one or the other. There has to be something done um, from the coaching perspective. Um, it's it, it's it feels like a Herculean task um, with such a large roster that I only expect to get larger. If I'm going to be completely honest, um, even past irony. I can't, I don't know what to say about Miro. I'm happy to see a familiar face. I think it's really cool to see him kind of get his shot uh, in the Overwatch League as an assistant. Um, I know next to nothing about, um, you know, the other assistant that's going to be working there. It's a big task. It is a large task that I don't know that I would wish on anybody. I hope they're uh, prepared, let's say. They got a good team. This is the thing about Sparkle. Yeah. They've always had a good team to work yeah. around. The, the player quality has never been the issue of the team, no. I think. Nope. Because individually, you look at the players like, why is a pretty good fucking player you know, <laughs> roster here with all these stars on it? Yeah. Well, you would say stars, especially when you look at them. In, like Goose Raider's peak was like, I would have considered the best Winston in the entire world. Mm -hmm. he, Goose Ray is on, on my Mount Rushmore of Winston plays. He's, he's right there next to Abe Lincoln. So, um, who played a phenomenal uh, Winston back in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, yeah, this team is, they have an embarrassment of riches in players, but something just goes wrong. Yeah. And it's, I don't know why. 
to be completely honest. I it is it is it is exhausting to speculate as to why this team cannot uh, get it together. And I hope that this regime and I hope with Overwatch two we can see the spark kind of reestablished as you know a spark. Kind of yeah, I kind of need to reignite this because you look at what their their debut performance in in 2019. It was a team oh. that nobody really expected that did extremely well. I think they got fourth at the end of the playoffs, right? That's a that's a that's that was a, the best year. That was their yeah. best year, and that's a that's a great performance. That's very very very. Oh, that good. was actually also Guangzhou's best year, and they have another another <laughs> Joe team. It's all the Joe teams, Joe. What's going on? It's all the Joe teams that are struggling since the debuts. Don't know. Couldn't um, tell you. It, it's it's a shame. Because, like you said, right. it's never been a player personnel thing. Yes, go. Uh, you've interviewed the Spark. What have you got? No, you haven't. But no, uh, um, you probably should. What do you What do you got for us? Should though. Mm, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me. It's it's hard to not feel like pessimistic about this. Mm. Um, I also have a hard time evaluating Chengun's. Uh, contribution to the teams that he's been in. I'm not saying necessarily that as a negative. I'm just saying as like <laughs> I, not as a positive. <laughs> as an unknown. More more so than okay. anything. Even though it yeah. feels weird to not give someone credit when like <sighs> he definitely has been able to amass uh, an unusual amount of talent with him throughout his career, and if you are someone that might be skeptical of the coaching ability of someone like Depay, because he always had good teams, which you could question if uh, Chengun didn't have better teams even, um, then you like then you're probably in the same boat of skepticism towards this, more so than the personnel of Chengun. Let's also keep in mind that. Previous head coaches had a really rough time at the Spark um, for various reasons. And the, it's, it seems to me that unless the organization has learned anything about this, um, that it's going to be a rough run. Then again, they might just be like one of the benefiters of the volatility that we might see next season because of Watch 2. Um, mm -hmm. And with strong mechanical players on all positions, of course, we don't know what the support role will look like, but we'll see. Um, mm -hmm. That could just like run itself pretty decently. And as long, yeah. as, long as Chengun can keep up the spirits and have people just like mad grind the game, I think that is essentially like half the battle next year. That you just like have players that can once again fall in love with the game, are highly talented. And just like outclick the opponent uh, opposition in a game where we're once again finding out like it's it is really illuminated to talk to these coaches about the strategical uh, development of oh, even Overwatch One, right? Like I was talking to Depay and Danny about this, and it's it is pretty revealing that a lot of people now think that we could have had stylistic choices pretty much always in the history of Overwatch and how. Ha could have had reasonable uh, success with it, but the level of coaching and game understanding probably wasn't there. Um, and we've only, in tandem with game balance, to be fair, which a lot of people mm -hmm. highlight as like an achievement this year as well, um, gotten there. So this seems to be a soft well, reset. 
you say achievement, it's 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 much easier to balance a game that has no content in it. Sure. Yeah, when you got a game that has no new no new heroes, got a point there. There's a, every time a new hero comes up, that's what fucks with the balancing. I mean, look at look at what Brig did. I mean, I I, I yeah. the most extreme example. I'm sorry, but yeah, um, most heroes that have come out had some huge implication on the balance of the game. Maybe minus Orissa, who everyone overlooked. But eventually, cool. she had to get targeted as well because she changed the game. Just mm. delayed. That was that was a delayed release. That one was a bit of a sleeper agent. Um, but yeah, every single new hero had huge impact. So the, the, this is the argument I've had with other people. Is, oh, the reason why the game was so balanced is because we've had no damn content. That's why it's so balanced. I was saying that's bad in terms of the balance. I'm saying that's great. That's the it's it's like it's, that's the silver lining you get from mm-hmm. the turd that is not having new content. <laughs> that aside, though, um, I. Don't have a particularly strong opinion on Chengdu because I don't know enough about it. And as I've I've spent many rants in our past episodes talking about this, and I'm going to stay, you know, stay the course with what I've said, which is that I will very happily and publicly admit that I don't know enough about Chengdu and what he's done for his teams to have a strong opinion on what he's capable of and what he'll do. I do agree with one thing that Yiska said, which is I think of which two in a speculative kind of way is going to be a game that is potentially volatile enough that having strong mechanical players is going to carry you through it. So there is a real chance that if Changun is a bit of a backseat guy, as some people have potentially have said or rumored, um, yeah, buckle up. He'll be in the backseat, buckled up again. Shy is going to be behind the wheel. And, you know, Spark will be supposedly carried by incredible mechanics, which looking at this roster, when you got like Shy and an Alpha Yi on your team and, you know, Gushring League, their best are phenomenal as well. Like, I can definitely see this team getting some mad distance off mechanics alone because the holy shit factor of someone just like Shy can get you a lot of mileage. Um, and that, yeah, uh, coaching is going to be a, a weird one in Overwatch 2 because there's got to be a lot of discovery and a lot of, like, new ground and what is available. We all remember what coaching in 2018 in Overwatch 1 looked like. It was a complete shit show. I think most of the coaches, almost all the coaches in Overwatch 1, Sorry, Overwatch won in twenty eighteen, the first season of Overwatch League. We're probably not very useful to teams. Like, how many coaches survive from season one? V- barely any. Most of them are gone. Why? Because they're probably not very good. They didn't do a lot for the teams. They didn't. Not maybe not their fault. They didn't know what to do either. This is the first Overwatch League. Um, and not to say that twenty twenty two is going to be the same as that, but we're going to take a lot of lessons learned from the past four years into the next season. But it's still coaches stabbing in the dark and having to try and figure something out from whatever Overwatch 2 looks like. And the more of a mess it is with more heroes and more reworked heroes that are existing heroes, uh, the more difficult of a job it will be for the coaching staff. So who really knows? I haven't really seen any of the coaches in action enough in terms of really, really knowing what they do. Even Miro, even though I've casted his team in contenders, he was a part of GC Busan Team Diamond. That team was pretty middling. It's also the team that, by the way, Gurrier has come out of to go to Dallas Field for people that want a bit of context. Okay. Um, that team just did okay. But I, I don't know. Is that a player quality issue? Is it Mera? Who knows? I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know. I also think people shouldn't pretend they know. So a lot of people are going pretty hard on Changun, where maybe they have a belief that Changun's not very good or he did X or Y or Z yeah. things. But I don't have any proof of that. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon because I simply don't know. And I think that's the correct thing to say and the correct uh, answer to give here uh that's the spark gentlemen as tis unless anyone else has anything pressing to say about the spark nope um 
we are going to move on to the final topic of the day and one we obviously were not able to cover in our last episode uh due to the timing around it but is a, a topic that i think is very important to cover and to celebrate celebrate and pay tribute to which is the passing of alarm mm. who at 20 years of age has gone far too soon one of the brightest stars that we have had in our game our esport and maybe even in all of esports really like you know when you have anybody who is this young and talented that unfortunately has you know life end prematurely it is incredibly upsetting um and we mourn the loss of 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 alarm from from overwatch and from the world and give our condolences to his close friends and family and you know everybody else that was close to him but this is a um some of the most terrible news that i could have possibly have ever seen when i eventually saw this on my feed i remember the way i found out was actually through our um little discord thing here where we're our discussion mm. and you know i saw some message like oh no like that's awful i'm like what what, what just happened what happened like i have no idea what happened and I, all i did was i went to twitter i refreshed and there it was straight away boom and yeah i mean i wasn't ready for it i wasn't ready yeah um i think there's probably some quote out there regarding you know the passing of somebody uh, especially this young you know you're never there's n- there's never a good time for stuff like this. There's never a, a preparation for it. Um, it's it, same similar story to you. You know, I think I was sitting, I think I was playing Age of Empires at the time and I had Twitter up on my side monitor. I go to refresh it just to see, you know, what's happening in the, the Twitter sphere. And, you know, um, to my quite literal disbelief, um, saw the news and, um i'm not too much of a man to say it you know it hit hard call it parasocial call it whatever it is it Mm -hmm. it was that was uh saddening to say the least um i echoing the same praise you know i i don't know that we will ever see somebody uh quite like alarm um with so many of his former coaches coming out and talking about um how flexible he was how much he loved this game how much time he had put into the game as it already was going on again you know this is this is a veteran of overwatch weirdly in a way he's obviously he's only 20 or was 20 years old Mm -hmm. um but has been playing since apex season one did a role swap you know has been so successful um in in funi and yeah it's uh a tragedy to say the least it's uh you know count your lucky stars it's a privilege um and we will we will always remember alarm he's he's gone but as cliche as it is um will never be forgotten uh i think he can rest peacefully knowing that yeah i'm not gonna lie this one fucked me up well it like yeah um i i was fortunate enough to meet him actually in crayfeld uh during mm. I said Atlantic Showdown, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember some what? of those stories and I thought they were quite quite funny. I don't know if you can share them, but um the thing that just like stuck in my mind was the way he carried himself. You pretty mm-hmm. much knew like this kid is just going to take over. Like as soon let let's like this is not I, I, I promise you I would have told you the very same thing. If, had we talked about in other circumstances about this, 
Mm-hmm. But this this alarm is a player that was gatekept from literally being the goat of Overwatch One by his age. Had Alarm had the opportunity to p- start playing in Overwatch uh, League from season one onward, he had a legitimate shot at the GOAT title just by the, the quality and the talent and the attitude and the grind he had him in. Mm. Um, what broke my heart is, like... I know how, how much they, yeah, he meant to his coaches as well. Mm. It's just, um, I mean, it's, it's really, we've had Christopher on, on here a couple of mm. times. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's bar- barely any bigger fan of his than Christopher. It yeah. felt like, like last time I interviewed him, Christopher told me, like, if the Overwatch League just, like, made an um, alarm POV that would be like genuine like the best sh- shoulder content you could do it's always mm. nuts what uh, what he does and what he all considers what he's able to take into account such high mental tick rate and also outside the game being such a genuine character like touching everyone like legitimately like very often like failing is or being like Mildly toxic. Depending on who you talk to, you will get very slanted ideas of what a person is like in the Overwatch League. Just because, like, sure. others will tell you only the worst parts of him. Mm. Zero people have ever said anything ne- negative to me about Alarm. His attitude. What kind of person is this? This is. It doesn't get easier. Uh, surviving Legends. It really doesn't. I'm sorry. Like, throughout. Like being in esports, there's like a couple of personalities like this that come in mind. Um, fans of Counter Strike, what might remember? Um, German player, uh, um, uh, damn, Zix, I think it's how you uh, pronounce it. Uh, um, Mouseports around 2010. Um, that one hit hard. Of course, I mean, ironic. Or just terrible timing, also with it falling very close to the day that we found out about uh, Internet Hulk. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just really terrible, and it it never like it. It feels like with age, it it doesn't get easier. The unfortunate case is just like it feels like it happens more frequently as you get older. Just because you know more people, yeah, and it, there's really nothing that prepares you for uh, for that. No, this is the uh, the one that feels the closest to home of mm. all in any you know passing I've heard of or seen. Uh, you know, I remember when you've had celebrities pass away. Uh, you know, I can't remember what year it was, but you know, you just had all these celebrities passing away. Um. And there's a level of parasocialness to it, um, but this one just felt close to home because he was one of ours. He was, he yeah, was, yeah. as someone that worked in the Overwatch League, that's been part of Overwatch esports, whose you know life has been so ingrained in the Overwatch uh, community and space. Like, it, yeah, you can't help but feel this one is a little bit personal. You can't help but feel that this one was, you know, right on your doorstep. 
Um, even though I can personally say that I never got a chance to even meet or talk to Alarm. I don't really even know him that well. Uh, all I really know is that he's one of the most phenomenal players I've ever seen in the game. So that's, you know, in terms of uh, my grievances, that's uh, all I really have. I'm, I'm you know, I, as you've talked and I've, I've looked, I've watched the interviews. I've, I've seen what other people said. I've, you know, with Christopher, especially uh, the comments that he made towards Alarm. I know how important he was to the Philadelphia fusion and to everyone else. Um, but no, yeah, I just, it's just, this is the one that really got me because of how close to home it is compared to everything else that's ever happened. And um, it's kind of that somber reminder of, you know, keep your loved ones close to you because life is fragile, a lot more fragile than we give it credit for yeah. that that's uh that we really know it to be so yeah it's fully fully unexpected and um i don't know i can only i can only imagine um what his parents and what his family have to go through as i'm sure no parent could ever imagine losing their child right i mean i hear yeah, that's that's basically you know a parent's worst nightmare um and full respect given to the privacy of the parents, which kind of brings me to my next point of um, there was a very strong and important message that was given out in the community by another one of our very own, uh, Mitch Uber Leslie, surrounding the fact that this passing, while very personal to many, I mean, like hmm. like I just said, I, I don't even really know the guy. I only know him through the game, but it still felt it was quite heavy for me. Um, as a reminder just to respect the wishes of the family because what we're ultimately looking at is someone who passed away very suddenly and no we don't know how he passed away and no we won't be discussing how he passed away or even speculating on it because at this point in time it's just not really appropriate if the family decides that they want to share that information then they will do so when the time is right for them i know people are curious and i know people naturally you know i, I think that's it's 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 not wrong to think in your mind and be curious because I think everyone in their mind will always mm. drift towards it. Whenever you hear of someone passing, one of the first things that everyone wants to know is like, how did it happen? Right. That's, that's pretty much the number one thing that always happens. But you know, I, I think it's just even just speculating on it just feels so weird and disrespectful where yep. um, like, what, what is that even about? Like you're, you're, what is the point in that? I just don't get it like that. I mean, I get it, but I, I don't think it's right. I don't think people should be doing that when, you know, you're allowed to be curious in your own head, but when you publicly vocalize that and you're looking for answers and you're doing some detective work, whatever you're doing, like that, that crosses a line when the the family has specifically asked for privacy during this time. So I think that's the message I want to, I know the message is now about a week old, but that's the message I still want to amplify. Yeah, fully support from my end. Um, you, I think there are some, uh, self-righteous chariots being rallied around this idea of it being more empathetic to be curious um but i think that is a, a slap in the face of um the survive the surviving members of his family that uh, from my understanding have publicly said that they would like some privacy and some peace at this time um it while is difficult for everybody um there are people who are are severely impacted by this that you i think with enough grace and maturity 
um, will know enough to keep those curiosities to themselves. And I think if your immediate draw to a tragedy like this is to be almost morbidly curious, um, I, I question where your heart is in it. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I do wonder um, why you would do such a thing. So, yeah, fully support from uh, from my end. Yeah. Keep keep the curiosities to yourself and uh, give some space. Like also, just like from first-hand experience, having been in a very very similar position as I rip out my headphones. <laughs> right. Um, having seen and witnessed how parents cope. Trust me, it's not okay to ask. Nope. It's not okay to ask. And to vehemently discuss that you have the right to do. I mean, not discussing the internal emotion of trying to make sense of the world and mm. come to, like, I vividly remember in my early 20s, um, probably the age that a lot of the posters on... Uh, Competitive Overwatch are currently at coming, understanding your own mortality is a deep challenge that might crush you, right? That will really yeah. deeply shake you. Um, and these interactions are things you, it's very hard to make sense of. And it's, it is entirely natural to ask these questions internally, but it's, it simply isn't okay to to ask publicly, just from first-hand experience of a very com com uh, comparable um, situation I got to see firsthand in, in these situations, and it actually really deeply impacts uh, people involved there. And I think that privacy should be given. And um, while I have empathy with also the fans that, yes, it's a parasocial thing. I think to that degree, it shouldn't, shouldn't be looked down upon. We can have empathy towards, towards all parties. I can have empathy for the curiosity of uh, trying to make sense of that in your life. I can have empathy towards the, um, the desire to do it. But just have some decency and just, just keep it to yourself. You can um, uh, discuss it amongst your peers far away from the official um, oh. platforms minimizing the chances of it reaching people that shouldn't be confronted with that information. Yep. Instead of asking why, let's celebrate how, right? Celebrate the career, the life, the, the legacy um, of such a celebrated player. Again, I, I think the rookie, if there was ever to be a rookie, um alarm was that player definitively no questions asked it, he was the guy um to end you know the discussion um and that's the type of player that uh we got a chance to witness and we got a chance to celebrate and we will continue to celebrate um going into the future of this game he will always be a name that will be remembered um mm -hmm. world class as uh his career has uh has been final thing there would be to uh you know it's 
in terms of speculating as well, it's just a weird thing to do. It's just not a, not, like, not a social savvy thing to do. Um, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the family. If your family member was someone that passed away, would you be okay? Or would you want to have like a, all this discussion about like what people, how people think your family member passed away? Like if you were, if you were in that situation, you'd see how fucked up it is. Right. So it's like, it's really weird for people to be doing that. Uh, it's also far too early to be talking about what the Philadelphia fusion are going to be doing. Um, and potentially even too early yeah. to be talking about what the league is doing because, um, yeah, this is still pretty recent news. We just got to mm. sit on it for a little bit and, you know, give it some time, give it some space to breathe, give the family some space to breathe. And then eventually, uh, the, the affected parties and different people talk to each other about, you know, what plans, if any, there are to do anything. Mm. So, and that, you know, at the end of that, it's up to, that's up to the, the parties involved. And I don't think anyone should demand like, Oh, the league needs to do this, or these people need to do that, yeah. or the fusion, or the family got to do X or Y things. Like no one's needing to do anything. They're not entitled to knowing anything or demanding anything of anybody. Just be respectful, celebrate his life, mm-hmm. and when the time is right, um, things will happen, or maybe they won't. And if they won't, you'll have to just respect that as well. And that's the yep. uh, basically the message here. Again. Um, Love your loved ones, hold on to them dearly, and remember that life is fragile and something that needs to be protected and loved. So uh, there it is. That's going to be the closing out of 201. Some big topics today, bit of a heavier episode in general where it's mostly some negative stuff, a little bit of positive stuff, and a bit of sadness towards the end. But um, important that we were we should be giving our tribute to Alam as well and to celebrate mm-hmm. his career as one of the greatest to ever touch the game or one of the greatest to ever touch the game and we will uh, forever miss and cherish uh, all that he left behind. So thank you, Alam, and thank you to everything you did for the Overwatch League. That is our episode for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will all see you next week for 2.02. Peace out.